0: Hi, Jimmy here. Welcome to a special episode of Shoulders of Giants. Today, we're tackling a different alternative, Beverly Hills Cop 3. Uh, This is a seminal, seminal movie for Sheppie and I. Uh, We caught up over Zoom, and the connection was a little spotty for this one, um, but it gets pretty clear after 15 minutes. So uh, please bear with us if there's a little bit of overlap as we talk. We're trying to second-guess one another a little bit as we went. So for now... Check that hose pipe of yours for a banana. Strap in and uh, hope you have a good time with this one. <laughs> the
1: heat is on, on the street, inside
2: your head, <laughs> <what would be laughs> all going on over
0: here tell me about some of the goings on what's happened
2: you know speaking of police academy let me tell you this (laughs) there's something that i i i I didn't talk enough about police academy six and i'm going to tell you right now there's a bit in police academy six that i always meant to mention but i never wrote it down and i even talked about the scene and it's when tackleberry confronts his evil side if you know what i mean his dark mirror um his belloc and it's the guy from class reunion and it's a really weak showdown it's a great idea but it's so bad and the guy just runs over runs off and stuff but anyway before that when they're doing their shootout and they're doing they're showing off their gun tricks the guy the baddie shoots has a, like a massive hand cannon i think and he shoots off a shot and it goes pink and they're in an alley and it goes ping-pong, ping-ping, ping-pong, and it cuts and you, know, you feel the ricochet all over the scaffolding and off a milk bottle and the windowsill and stuff, like ping-pong, pong ping <laughs> ping, and it flips up. And Tackle does like this nails, really nails, like Tackle Baby does this in Peace Academy 4 as well, where he does something that if done right, it could be a really good James Bond set piece. The, the, the bullet goes ping-pong-ping, and then he, after a really realistic time, it's not like a cartoon, like most of the other things in that particular film, he sticks out his gloved police hand and the bullet just plops down into it. And he, he knows, he knows guns and t- trajectory where the bullet will go, but it has legit run out of, you know, momentum and stuff and it has. And so he just catches it when it's just like run out and it just falls out of kinetic net. And it's new. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. And then he, oh, and then he looks at the bullet and he recognises it, and he, he calls out like, oh, Magnum's 280. That's a rare one. But you get this bullet from Germany or something like that. And it's like, it's really cool. So, uh-huh. yeah, so uh-huh. I like that. So good old Tackleberry Man. Where's his standalone film? Where's his Academy uh, where he's just like hardcore Rambo?
0: Amazing. I thought you were going to say Academy Award then, but I, I get you also from well, well, hardcore Academy
2: <laughs> The Academy Awards don't deserve David Graff, mm-hmm. uh, although I'm <laughs> sure he would have appreciated it. But, you um, know, he, he was great. So good for him. He should have won at least an Emmy for that Seinfeld pop-eating sandwich bit. But anyway, mm-hmm. never mind all that. Jimbo, how are you, sir? Well,
0: i'm fine and i hope are you fine too sir as you have a quick sip are you are you good because i'm going to just say speaking of cops like we have to get Uh to an order of business Sheppy. i hope your life is well and good because we this 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 could be the record breaker sheps there's no two ways about it we've got a lot to discuss today um yes it's it's going to be meaty I'm almost sure of it. <laughs> almost sure. Of you're it.
2: almost sure
0: of it. God,
2: I was really on board. You had me. I was hooked. <laughs> you dropped it. <laughs> I'm almost certain. I'm pretty sure. I've got a feeling. I'm not. I mean, you know, it's up to you. We'll see. I mean,
0: amazing. <laughs> what you're saying is all my little phrases ping-ponged off the walls. That I crouched down to collect yes. it, just as momentum was lost, but dropped it. That's a real shame. That's, that's all right. But, um, it, was it was close.
2: It took your it's finger be- off. <laughs> you, you misjudged it. It pinged <laughs> off your pinky. You're like, oh no. <laughs> what a shame.
0: <laughs> um, right. I now come to <laughs> the fact that I've got a steel pinky, but I'm going to just keep going. Sheppy. I love um, it. Yes. I'll do the intro. I'm not even going to need to be prompted for the intro. This is huge. It's a welfare. You are
2: on point today, sir. You'll you're you you are you you are in it, you know it, you're up for it, and I respect you for it. Uh, go for it. What go go on, I'm not even gonna say.
0: Welcome to Shoulders of Giants. I'm Jimmy.
2: Hello, I'm Sheppy.
0: <laughs> and today, Sheppy, I set us a Well, well
2: hang on. Well, Wait a second, oh, no. you were doing very well. I was <laughs> sitting back. I wasn't going to do a thing. I was very happy. I was the proud one from the audience, flashing a Kodak, giving it a wink. I was there.
0: The the Raiders of the Lost Ark blink with your eyes. Yeah, I I saw it. I noticed it. That put me off again. I always do that. God knows what what triggers in my brain for that. But yes. Well, in in
2: fairness to me, it doesn't say love on one of the eyes. It says fuck.
0: That's amazing.
2: (laughs) So (laughs) I know that that can be distracting. <laughs> the other eye is the same.
0: Um, look, we, I know the question you're going to ask me. We are the What If podcast for movies, sequels, prequels, and all sorts of other wonderful bolt ons to IP, Sheppy. Um, TV show, <laughs> you name it. Disney rides, Thanks. you name it. <laughs> I don't even know what we're talking about. Disney
2: rides. I don't think we've done that,
0: have we? No, i love it. We haven't done a Pirates, exactly.
2: we haven't done a Haunted Mansion. No, but speaking of a bubble
0: episode, what would be a good like spin-off TV? You know, what hasn't been done yet? There's there's a little bubble episode for the clip.
2: What the corkscrew? We can do a a movie adaptation of the Alton Towers ride Uh, that hasn't been done yet.
0: That would be pretty cool. And I was thinking the flip as well, like what hasn't been done yet that, in terms of transferring a movie to a park as well, what what world do you really wanna walk around in? you know what I mean? Like, interesting, one for the future. Um, I'm hip to that. Well, speaking
2: (laughs) about theme parks, I think we're gonna reach that eventually in the natural course of this pod. So, Jimmy, this is Shoulders of Giants. We are talking about alternative sequels. And in this case, we're doing something that we do occasionally, which is we take the existing film off the board and we're replacing it, I believe. We're, we are both doing a sequel to Beverly Hills Got 2, essentially, or at least the third part of a trilogy, and we're both saying that the third part... Done, it's a Rocky 5, which we have previously done this with.
0: Yeah, it is, Sheps. And, and a seminal one at that for you and I. Let's be clear, right? I mean, we I don't know whether... I think maybe we should just touch on our Beverly Hills Cop Three experience now and then come back to three
2: or go straight to now.
0: that. Just just the experience of it. Like what because I think this it's just fair to say that I think before we even get into Beverly Hills Cop Appreciations, Beverly Hills Cop Three for you and I I think was a seminal moment in our movie going experience that may even be the gestation of a shoulders of giants of sorts. Like, you know, you and I previously have been going to the flicks every week you know, pretty much, you know, seeing something on a Saturday afternoon. And so,
2: the- well, okay, yes, okay. So well, to put it into context in terms of what, which we will get to, so we're, we are telling this out of order, but I like the idea of starting with this exact moment. So I'm, I'm, in, I'm in on that. But just as some sort of context, you and I, Beverly Hills Cop was a big deal. And in the playground at school, when we're like, what, 11, 12, we're, we're like, doing our own versions of what what Beverly Hills Got. Not necessarily a Beverly Hills Cop 3. At this point, there was no Beverly Hills Cop 3, but our, we weren't doing necessarily a Beverly Hills Cop 3. I think we were just doing The Adventures of Axel and Rosemont and so forth. It was like yeah. a TV show, I guess, But we, and, and we did come up with new things and we did call it Beverly Hills Cop 17, Beverly Hills Cop 27. So I guess they were, they did become labeled as films later on in our pantheon. So we loved the films one and two, and we were well up for it. And we were, and it was like a major part of our initial friendship bonding experience. You know, this and the Jaws sequels we also did. It was like fair play. And then we went to the cinema a lot, as you say. Um, and a lot of the time it was on Saturdays uh, on the High Street in Guildford. And that's always lovely. Then we heard that, oh, they're making a Beverly Hills Cop 3. Oh, it might be Die Hard in a theme park. Oh, it's John Landis. Here's the trailer. And I remember watching the trailer to Beverly Hills Cop 3 with you in the cinema. I don't know what film we're going to see. Uh, indecent proposal, probably. <laughs> anyway, we were watching that and the trailer I remember was really good. And I haven't re-watched it recently to see if it's true, but it doesn't really matter. The trailer was really enjoyable, really exciting. and had this really good stunt in it. And I was like, so up for Beverly Hills Cop 3, like you know, so up was it 94
0: this film I came out? I think it was Sheps, yeah maybe uh, 93, <laughs> 1994 Sheps, well, well played so.
2: nice, so by 94 we had seen a lot we'd already had the experience of Batman and Jurassic Park, so big 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 films, but I was so looking forward to Beverly Hills Cop 3, and it's safe to say uh, that Beverly Hills III is not a good film. And so it wasn't that expectations were you know, unreasonably high or anything like that. But I remember watching the film in the cinema, by the way, I haven't seen this film since. And I remember sitting there in the cinema and never, I think, having that moment of revelation where during the film I'm like, oh no, I'm not enjoying this. I was kind of just like wrapped up in it. And then the conversation started were like oh that was good yeah that was good yeah but that was that was a, a nice bit that yeah and then oh that, that bit was a bit weird and oh the tone is oh and oh it's a shame he didn't uh, and then by the time we got to the bottom of the high street we were both just like oh it's not very good yeah it's, it's not good and it was a certain death of uh, cinematic innocence because we had seen films that we which weren't very good before and we'd seen films that we didn't like before we didn't think we were good at that point before we were past the point of just like blind childhood loving everything but then that was kind of like a real death of cinematic innocence I've always said it's so pretentious but it's like the first film that I had every reason to expect and the the trailer was good and it had all this history with us and then it just being a subpar film a Police Academy seven of a film and it's It's just upsetting. So, so there you go. So in that respect, it plays a very important part in our cinematic friendship and our joint experiences. And indeed, um, it seems to be, you know, we, with our Beverly Hills Cop games, they were definitely, you know, yeah, larvae stages of shoulders and giants. So that's nice.
0: Absolutely, chefs. I couldn't have put that any better or been. That was exactly the experience, and it was heartbreaking. You, you're right. I, I, I perhaps have remembered it a bit differently, that I sort of was still giving things like Almost an Angel four stars. And that's I agree
2: with you. Almost an Angel was and is a four-star film, and I'll do you one better. We had seen Look Who's Talking 2, and we were on board with that. So, we, you know, yes, our standards were not sky high, but we knew what we liked, and we liked what we saw. So generally, we were we were having a nice time, and we had seen shit that we knew was shit, but nothing I think had disappointed us at this
0: point. No, and you said this before in the podcast, but sometimes when something is subpar like that, it's it's quadruply upsetting and wounding because. You know that the, the calibre has been there in in the previous two to a level, and and it's Absolutely. like it's, it's it's more of a criminal offence in that regard. And I think right here we we have that I- example. Um, I I have done my homework, old Bean, for this, and I have rewatched through. so I'd love to do a little rewatch through um, and uh, and take them one by one. Um, yeah, so. Uh, it well, strange. absolutely. Before
2: yeah. we get to that, um, I wanted to say, of course, it's a million times worse that it's a a bad, bad entry into something you like. It's like a terrible Bond film, which frankly, luckily, even though I don't like some, uh, you know, some Bond film, there, there haven't been any like this. So, so that's good. But say, for example, I mean, I've mentioned this list before, but Batman and Robin, Star Trek Nemesis, Rocky V, um, and I never mentioned Beverly Hills Cop 3, maybe because there's only you know, the previous two at, that, at this point. But still, that's there. Die Hard 5, Indie uh, 4. Um, all of those are films that I never want to watch again. And I'm not tempted to watch again. Um, I tried to watch Batman and Robin with some friends when we were drunk once doing Arnie quotes. Couldn't even get through the first 20 minutes despite, you know, chill out. No, no nothing could save it. It's so bad now. Police Academy Seven is up there, but fortunately, it's not like oh no, it wounded the great beast that is Police Academy. So that's not the end of the world. But in terms of something that you really love, and the calibre is high, and we will talk about the two Beverly Hills Cop films in a sec. But whatever, they're they're both you know rich in calibre, and number three is Landis, so it shoulda coulda. It's not Buckhimer, so you know. But yeah, it's it's a it's a weird thing when a film just doesn't connect with the other really damages it yeah absolutely listen also you said that i summed it all up but i am for one so is there, is there anything else about the experience you remember of seeing cop 3 in the cinema just as a capper to that because i don't want to just like eat all of
0: that No, oh, Sheppy, i think you've done it for yeah. us and you've done it justice my friend i think it's one of those things where we probably Talked about it over beers with other movie, uh, you know, infused characters over the years, and we've we've got our story pretty well licked on Beverly Hills Cop, but like you know what I mean, the, <laughs> the whole thing, that whole sort of bubble yeah. of it is right there. So yeah, man, no, I'm very happy. I cannot wait to be given some floor time for Beverly Hills Cop original, though. By the way, I can't bloody wait, yeah. and the experience of doing the rewatch of three because I'm gonna say you don't ever need to rewatch it, Chefs but I'm gonna insist that one day you and I over some beers watch the first seven minutes yeah. I'm going to say because there's something that happens in that okay. seven minutes you will not believe your eyeballs you won't believe your eyeballs you totally <laughs> <don't>. <laughs> <laughs> um.
2: all right well we'll get to that in a second then um that's nice um but yeah yeah fair enough I mean yes good I'm glad you remember it Equally, Oh, I will say, I have Beverly Hills Cop 3 twice on DVD. One time, it was just cheaper and easier to buy the trilogy from HMV as opposed to buying one and two separately. So it was like when I bought the team of 2 box set. It was cheaper than just buying Team One. The other Beverly Hills Cop 3 that I own that I've never seen is one that you gave me for, like, a birthday at some point. Well, we do that's generally that's give that. each other weird films or dvds and videos for our respective birthdays and one year you gave me that like ha 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 and i'm like ha, ha ha but i'm never gonna watch it and so i've got yeah so that's my my second beverly Hills Cop 3 that i own
0: that is my proudest gift to you be my proudest gift.
2: i know i know it's good stuff <laughs> it's it's right up there with all tied up
0: oh god <laughs> I'll, I'll just say on the hype front as well you're right it built and built and it, it couldn't be underestimated like you know empire used to run its summer previews we had the land is factor like you said the trailer was decent like you said the concept you know even on paper die hard in a theme park kind of thing was what bounced around and you're like you know what? It's a really interesting thing to do it's like i think you've often said like you want to see like a bond onesie or something like a die hard you know do something different with mm. it. Like, I'll be like, you know, that, even that was like an interesting idea, you yeah. know. And then, of course, the, the 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 deep deep fall from that. Um Now, I, I when we get to it, I may make the argument that it could could have some two star credentials, but I think it's a very deep one star yeah. for a few moments. But we'll get to all
2: right. that in a minute. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, in terms of Beverly Hills Cop, to ask the classic question at this point. When do you remember the first time you saw, for the first time, Beverly Hills Cop?
0: I I do, Sheppy, and it was it was on at Christmas on BBC One at the extraordinary time of I think something like seven o'clock in the evening, which meant that it was mm. super duper dubbed. Like in all of the moments where the f bomb was dropped, it was fudge or like whatever it was, go hell or whatever. Like it was really hilariously dubbed. Even
2: shit was <laughs> shoot. <laughs> yeah yes
0: that's such a shame um but um so that that i'll get to, into the version of it but that was the version that i saw and lived with for a decent chunk of time honestly and one of the most surprising things about it was and it, my, my nan Mutti, who's been on this pod before i'm pretty sure and was one of the founding and most informative people in my love of movies like it literally surprised me on christmas day by telling me she'd watched it as well and just absolutely adored the movie adored eddie murphy like it was i was just eyes sauced at that news Chefs, and that became a big bonding thing for the two of us so that's really happy for me it makes me really happy and um yeah and i and, and i will say just as a very quick thing on the rewatch like i kind of understand why she loved it as well because it's really excellent good old-fashioned storytelling it's just really excellently put together that's uh, really really nice and uh, did you watch the same one so christmas Sheppy? What what's your origins
2: yes yeah i remember we talked about that in the playground as well That it's like instead of saying oh shit, he says oh shoot and and all of that um but i think it kept the violence like when Burkhoff gets it at the end and it's like well, he rolls down the stairs and he's all bloodied up um it's i'm sure they kept that in So it's funny I I know I got the sweary version later. They also cut the Michael Tandino assassination. It just cut and you heard the gunshot. It wasn't clear. It was really badly done. Uh, You you see Mike knock him out, knock Mikey Tandino over. I should say Jonathan Banks and give him some credit. And And then it just cuts before in the actual film, you have that long shot down the corridor and he executes Mikey by shooting in the back of the head. It's pretty brutal. And I believe, by the way, that they filmed that originally there was a more brutal execution scene, but it was too shocking and the audience couldn't get over it and get into the comedy. So Mark, Mark, Martin Rest, so i went back and reshot it, as it were. Um, so it's that long shot, but it's still really brutal and, and good mm. and effective as it should be. Um, so, anyway, that bit was cut on the BBC version as well.
0: Wow. It is he's, he's, he's a lovely little scene that ships because he does the whole buddy buddy thing. Don't worry about the baraboo yeah. sort of thing, you know. It's classic. He... <laughs> classic. Yeah.
2: That's the first thing, of course. That's the first thing I ever saw Jonathan Banks in. Or if I had seen him in 48 hours, which I hadn't at that point anyway, but if I had, if there is something random that I, maybe gremlins, I don't know. But this was obviously the thing that I remembered him from. And I always thought when I, watched Beverly Hills Cop when I was a kid that he looked like like a deflated Sylvester Stallone and I stand by that and then whenever I saw him in anything else after Beverly Hills Cop he was always there as the guy Sylvester Stallone from Beverly Hills Cop up until including Breaking Bad it was like hey it's the guy from Beverly Hills Cop that's nice <laughs> and you know I'd seen him in Free Jack at that point as well let's not forget so there you go and of course he was with Murphy but not Sharing screen time in 48 hours a few years previously.
0: Sheppy, I'm going to tell you now like, the rewatch of Beverly Hills Cop now is one of the greatest treats I've had, not just in our SOG history, but in life. Like, it was fucking amazing, man. Like, amazing conditions were not perfect you know I, I i downloaded it to my phone off netflix uh and i was watching it on a plane and i just as soon as it started i had almost a raiders style when you watch, watch raiders in the cinema and you felt little tears like in the, in the corners of your eyes like of happiness i kind of had that going on and i was like holy shit i love this movie and it is just brilliant. Like it's not without its flaws. I don't even want to find them, and I just I think it's amazing. Yeah. I think it's a five star. I think it is immediately shooting into my top twenty, if not top ten, of all fucking time, man. I loved it. Loved it. Loved wow. It. Just, just loved it. I thought it was. I'm a sucker for anything where someone arrives someplace. Do you know what I mean? Like you know, they they take the journey and they yeah. there, You know. So even, I only recently caught up with The Wicker Man, for example, just to give a completely left field. Uh, even just the way he was nice. landing in there, that he goes with his it, horrible. Yeah. A, you know, like, I just, I'm always <laughs> sucker for that stuff. And I just think they nail that with this movie. And just, God, what a tour of force it is, ships from Murphy, right? What a bloody... Yeah. Well,
2: well, with that in mind, before this prior you know, watching the other day when was the last time you had seen
0: it i don't know i want to i don't want to give the stock 20 i feel I, it's, but it's probably in that ballpark i can't think when i last saw it honestly two i haven't seen in about 30 years but they did do that one but yeah um right. what about you when did you last watch it
2: pretty recently in fact i wasn't going to and i had the idea for my pitch but I, I did rewatch it. I'm so glad I did because I really enjoyed it. Um, so, yeah, I saw it recently. Um, but before that, I had watched it with Marta. So, like, you know, not that long ago, like three or four years ago, I'd seen it last. I, I don't think it, there's ever been a massive gap in time though I've not, you know, like four or five years between Beverly Hills Pop. Um, and, you know, yes, and go, going back to that BBC One edited as fuck version. Saw that loads, and I did get, there was a, maybe it was showed at nine o'clock at some point, I did have a sweary version um, at some point. I never bought the video, but yeah. And we had a bit of a dodgy video of Beverly Hills Cop 2, which wasn't the best quality, but I watched that quite a bit as well. But we'll get to that in just a sec. I love that you love Beverly Hills Cop. I love it too. Um, And it's, and yes, in terms of Murphy, Fantastic, absolutely um, stratospheric, brilliant.
0: And why debut from like, well, not debut, obviously, he's had 40 hours in trading places, but what like is his sort of debut as him carrying the movie? And like, you know, it's just so awesome. Like, his career out of Saturday Night Live has not really been replicated like that. Like, the edgy shit he does, like, do you know what I mean? Straight from the SNL group is just it's just a different vibe to what anyone else did, do you know what I mean, and it's really, maybe I'm I'm forgetting somebody there, but most people jump into the out-and-out comedy without the sort of the action or the kind of the edge that he has, I think, but I mean, it it was like a monster, monster hit back in the day too, chefs, right, like, I mean, it was, you know, the biggest R-rated comedy for about 20 years or something, you know, it makes, I don't know, I didn't do my research, but it's about 300, 400 mil in one year, like, it's a mega, mega, mega hit, isn't it? It's like beyond and yeah. it's so cool that everyone's watching that movie that year. It just makes me so happy. <laughs> that's that's the big movie of the year kind I of. I love it.
2: that it was huge. It's it's interesting, um, Murphy's career from yeah, exploding on Saturday Night Live and then Forty Eight Hours, I believe, was his debut. And that's an interesting choice, I guess, for for someone like pure comedy. Fame origins, but maybe not, you know. And obviously, it worked brilliantly. And 48 Hours was great and massive. And obviously, you know, paved the way for him being in Beverly Hills car. And like you say, though, yes, that was a double act, and then Trading Places was a double act. But then again, of course, in Trading Places, Murphy gets to dominate all the scenes he's in, just like Atcore he does, because they're not together for the first part of you know, half the film. So that 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 works so we still is proper ruling with Elliot, loving it so yeah all of that's great good old beverly hills cop i like it too with and, and i really like that you watched it recently and you loved it i i will say generally speaking i've i've always really liked it and i wouldn't change a thing that that i will say that the bit where he throws Mike over the... He wrecks the buffet and he throws him over the buffet um, at that club. And the stunt double of Eddie Murphy looks exactly like Richard Pryor. And it's really clear. It's always been really clear in the version <laughs> <stunt. laughs> but, but that's not even the thing. It's just the fact that he looks like Richard Pryor. So, so that works. So I like that. Um, the that's beginning pretty is always been... With hanging out the back of the truck.
0: That can be really helpful to watch on a plane with a small screen, I think. When you write, hanging right, out right. In the truck's amazing too. Man, it's such yeah. a Yeah.
2: Burkhoff is great. Burkhoff compared when he was there and he saw Eddie Murphy, so he was with his entourage, he was with, hanging out with his friends, he was there. And when he went into his character, he was like a, a Maisonette, Maisonette, uh puppeteer. Like he saw Murphy. This is pure of being Berkhoff, but from a pure acting point of view, said like the uh, opposite of a Stanislavski, he stepped out of himself, pure Brechti, and was like operating himself like a puppet, not in it emotionally, but doing it outside of himself. And it was such a nice way of describing Murphy's process. And um, I've always really liked that. A good old Burt
0: That's so nice. And straight I, 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 yeah. after the buffet moment, I fucking love the way Eddie Murphy stares him down like afterwards. It's really, really awesome. Yeah. It's from Murphy. It's a really yeah. nice, ed- I'm mean, not nice edit, well, fa- probably but it's just wicked performance energy there. Mm.
2: That's something I um, I noticed, which I, I'm one of the many reasons I'm glad I re watched it before getting really into it with my pitch, is that he's so brazen. Is Axel. he doesn't have the time to put his foot around, so he goes right up to Victor Maitland and like you say, and you know, goes right into the office and just questions him directly. Uh it's it's good stuff. And then yeah, like in the goes into the buffet and wrecks it and again just like holding his you know, holding his own. And again, frankly, not to be patronizing, but Murphy totally holding his own against Burkhoff when Berkhoff at the is at his height of his Burkhoff powers, having been fresh off Octopussy, you no know, less, the year before. Not to mention Rambo 2, so Burkoff is white-hot completing his trilogy of Hollywood film baddies, uh, and then Murphy comes in and totally holds it against him, you know, holds, it, holds his own against him, and that's nice to see. So, yes.
0: And I, I, I totally hear you, Shep. I, I feel like it's a... Um, I think he actually is really awesome, Murphy, in his performance with other people as well. He really... He does... Although he bosses the whole thing, like, he does let people win, definitely, in each scene. I've got some more to say about actually, in a bit. But I've got some notes, Shep. Shall I just share my notes and see if it prompts anything with you? What do you reckon? I'll just... Um, shall I... Yes,
2: please. That sounds lovely.
0: So, first bullet was those Raiders tears at the start. Second bullet was officially a five star movie. I love, 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 like how they get sort of a little bit of the the class elements of this as well, you know. And they're coming from Detroit, and coming in. Um, it just, I, I, I just think it's just it's nicely judged all of that stuff. And the the implicit racism everywhere is really, you know, quite something in the movie. Getting arrested for being thrown out of a window. I mean, extraordinary moment. Yeah. I love Axel Foley's rapport with everyone in service roles around the movie. Like it's really cool. Like Serge, obviously, guy with the banana, he has actually nice rapport with the uh, Wyans or whatever you know. The 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 guy. Raymond serves... Damon, Damon Wayne's not Wyans. Wayne's, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and and then when the the guy who's serving the the, the nice sandwiches to Taggart and Rosewood, like he's just they give a little wink and like just. He's in with all the characters who are sort of, it's just nice, it's good. Um, I'd, <laughs> I'd just put, I'm just i sure uh, he's
2: someone as well. The film is littered with like funny people who are, who are like, oh, that's so-and-so from so-and-so, which is nice. Not to mention the front desk people at the hotel and it's Julie Haggerty, but the, I just noticed that it's the guy who's like the squ- SWAT commander in Robocop. And he's always the SWAT commander. He's always like a macho buffoon in loads of 90s action films, and he's the other guy, I think, with Judy Haggerty. Uh, that's the that's
0: amazing. Film. I didn't even know it was Haggerty, so now I've got to re-watch it. That's amazing. That's made me really happy. Oh, well,
2: that's a BBC, taped-off BBC dubbed. I was like, that's a deflated Sylvester Sloan and that's the chick from Airplane. So that was always there. <laughs> oh,
0: that's amazing. Um, what else did I pop here? So we've got um I just I love like one of the reasons it's like a really interesting vehicle plot-wise, you know, we know that um deflated Stallone has killed his friend. We know it's basically Maitland, and and there's not much to solve for us as, as audience here, but I'm all in on Axel Foley detecting his way around the coffee beans and all that stuff. I just love all that stuff, even though it's kind of yeah. for us as viewers, it's a little bit redundant because we kind of know what's happening. But it really makes me happy how he gets to the bottom of it and gets his proof. Um, I uh, I love the moment, like just I really love how they build like reasonably late, not that late, but reasonably late into the movie. You get Taggart and Rosewood, and like you immediately start loving them as they keep cutting back to them in their car. And then you've got this moment where he's punched Eddie Murphy in the guts, and yet they kind of have this really amazing interplay in the Beverly Hills Cop Police Station where he apologises. And then all in this tight little movie, they become buddies. Like It's quite an extraordinary feat what they do with quite specific Well, let's not forget, brevity, it, it which...
2: should be said that when he apologises he's only, at that moment he only apologises because he's been ordered to by Bobby yeah. Fox. Uh, he has nothing but deep hostility to Axel. But he gets and Axel pushes his buttons and he loses it and it is an interesting moment and the fact that it doesn't of course cross Axel's mind to you know press charges, that's crazy and all that. But I don't know. I guess from that moment it's sort of a good pretty good punch you got there, Taggett, and Taggett sort of has this sort of extra put of connection within at that point of time. So yeah. it is a lovely touch, which you wouldn't necessarily think to do.
0: I love their little um they're bonding over the strip joint takedown as well. It's nice. That's kind of that's the moment where the friendship sort of yes. really kicks in a bit, isn't it? Yeah, I love it. And I yeah. do, that moment you see, suggested- and and the fact
2: that Axel, I know I keep talking over you, but there's a bit of a delay, so I do apologise. Oh, don't worry. But about um, the bit in the um, the bit in the club uh, um, is amazing, anyway, and I like the fact that he addresses it straight to Taggart, like he just. You know, he, he likes Billy, he likes Billy a lot, but he, he addresses Taggart, he like see the guy over there, you know, I'm not bullshitting, this is it, and Taggart reads it and he trusts him and says, yeah, okay, and they, they work together in that respect. Um, it's really good. Yeah, it works very well. In fact, tiny spoiler, they're, they're the, I just wanted to utilise that sort of well, well-oiled machinery of that sort of smooth operation between the two of them I wanted to do something like that in, in mind with the three of
0: them so Amazing shit, I bloody can't wait there. for your pitch, I'm actually too excited but it's going to be amazing and I love the strip joint bit um, that leads then to an amazing like super cop story from Foley where you've got some you know? literal corpsing on screen which is really fun Yes, really
2: happy. I always love that he's <laughs> pinching the bridge of his nose his tiger in a Aston, he's losing it. It's so good. Yeah, good? yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, of course.
0: <laughs> when you were talking before around like the, the punch and the whole thing, like there's a really interesting line there from Mert Foley, which is where I'm from. Cop stump, cops don't file charges against other cops. And I I really I wrote that down when it happened. I thought, oh, that would be a good thread to pull for a for a three, like you know, some Detroit uh, oh, nice. cops. Naughtiness that isn't isn't reported, but I haven't pulled that through by the way. But I just thought it was an interesting sidebar.
2: I do like that your mind went to the the cynical side of the road there, whereas the you know, I always took the line to mean, oh, it's you know helping your brother cop out always. Whereas you sort of went the other road with like, no, cover up his blunder, cover up his murder, cover up that coke he's just stolen from the locker room. Move on.
1: That's why
0: it's good stuff, Jim. I think to... it, it shines a light.
2: On your on the darkness of your
0: soul. (laughs) That's why I'm still in the academy, chef. Anyway, (laughs) Um, (laughs) right. So uh, I've got a few more points, which is just um, I've said here. All these gags are just fucking with you as well. So a lot of F-bombs from Jimmy today, much more perfect, but that's probably appropriate. And all those gags are just, you know, fucking around with you. Um, BBC will you edit really. it out. <laughs> yes, they're fudging around with you. And, uh, and it's um, it, I think that's really, it's what's funny to Axel in the moment. He's just doing his gags for himself, which is what, you know, as a yeah. man who just does puns all the time, for really just for my own benefit, <laughs> I, I really respect that. Oh,
2: definitely <laughs> your own benefit. Oh, certainly. I can vouch for that.
0: <laughs> He's so comfy in himself and the whole thing as well. And, so, and like, almost softly spoken sometimes. I really, I love it. I love, love, love performance. Um, I well, love- And
2: him. it's very, very heavily in, uh, improvised by Murphy. Like the, the whole, this is the nicest police car I've ever been in is a case in point. But the, a lot of it, it's like, it's like Bill Murray. This is the scene and now I'll just do what I need to do to get the points across in the scene. And I'll just be fluid and everyone else had better just be moving with me, and it works, and it's great. So, yeah, so that's worth a shout-out. Uh, yeah, good old
0: birthday. Isn't there a bit where he rolls up, I haven't written this down, but so I'll paraphrase it, but he rolls up in his smashed-up car and gives the keys to the valet and says something like, you know, look after this, all this shit happened last time I parked here <laughs> it's like, Right, oh yes. That amazing. Yeah. Um,
2: no, that's all good stuff. I mean, I think it's all, all his stuff. By the way, Serge is one of my favourite characters of all time. I've always loved Serge, but I never really think to mention him. Bronson Pinoche, amazing. Get the fuck out of here. no, I cannot. Um, I, for years and years and years, and probably still do, always say, with a little lemon twist, it's good. And if, if I ever, over the last 30 odd years of my life, if I ever see a man wearing a shirt with like an extra button undone, which isn't really necessary, in my mind, at the very least in my mind, but probably most of the time, out loud, I'll say, what is this, like a dog to scrub? It's not sexy. Um, that happens a lot. <laughs> so he's had an indelible influence on me. Like, no, don't be stupid. I love Serge, and I love his interplay with Axel, and it's wicked, and they're loving it. Um, so a little shout-out to Serge.
0: That's really and, nice, ships. I love it. And uh, there's... um. He got a whole bloody sitcom out of it, didn't he? Like I mean, he got perfect strangers, mm. balky for God's sake. Right. Um, that's really <laughs> happy. Um, yeah, I agree. Surge is making a comeback in mind, just out just to let you know. Um nice. <laughs> uh, and does make an inexplicable why the Beverly Hill's got three, which I'll get to. Um Yeah. Uh, what else did I just say Oh, it's a masterclass scene with Haggerty, the Rolling Stone check in. That is the receptionist you mean for Haggerty, isn't it? When uh, he yes. gives the yeah, air wicked. Um, and then the, the little beat when they give him the price of the room and just, he just does this silent take. It's so funny. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've noted down, like, at one point, Billy is referred to as Beverly Hills Cop. I don't know if you noticed this, but I just thought that's really interesting. Like, actually, oh, that, yeah, that this is Billy. He's duck. a Beverly Hills Cop.
2: Yeah. Yes, the Jenny. <laughs> the Jenny Summers.
0: So that could be the Eye of the Duck. I mean, all the sequels could be about Ryan anyway. But um,
2: Yeah, it's always been about him.
0: We've covered the the strip joint already, but I do think, like, it was one of our things, too, just to always, whenever we did a Beverly Hills Cop sequel, to have a moment, like, when he's going, Bill! I'm pretending to be having like going and try to hug someone yeah. really nice um yes i put it's actually amazing stunt work on the on the wall stunt which again was a big thing for you and i tag it huffing and puffing over the top of a wall yes then we had to clear a wall we both did an impression of tag it and huff and puff over it it just <laughs> happened to me um <laughs> It's it's a deep shame to me that the the big chief, the one above Bogamill, uh, who's kind of Albert Finney esque without being Albert Finney, kind of never really makes a, an appearance. Well, he doesn't come back for two, so that's a shame, you know. Um, and... Right.
2: Is this the man?
0: The buffet. <laughs> twice. Can the guy hit me through
2: the wall? Yes, he
0: can. <laughs> I love that line, and uh, and just um, I. I I love, like, actually, Chief Todd, we've always seen him as a ball, well, I've always seen him as a ball breaker, um, but it's so funny to re-watch it and realise he's actually on his side and trying to mentor him and trying to say, calm down. Like you said earlier, like, Axel's a very impatient yeah. cock, you know, and he doesn't have time and just never follows protocol, which would just be an absolute nightmare, you know, and uh, so I kind of, I'm kind of on Chief yeah. Todd's side, I'm, I'm Team Todd, Team Todd, man. Um,
2: yeah, good old, he's great. He was a cop in real
0: life, I believe. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and uh, and just final mention is just Jeffrey. I mean, he was a big character for the two of us, too. He's on our bloody website, for God's sake, Shep. So yeah. think, um, you know, big yeah. This is not my locker. Huge line for us. Yeah. Whenever yeah. in the Whatever All riser
2: time. I mean all riser was a huge Part of our seminal years uh, There was this and, and part Two where Jeffrey has a lot to do uh, There was of course aliens And there was my two dads riser For life riser for life I, I'm all for riser The sun will riser tomorrow
0: Oh my god <laughs> See now that give this man a benefit. riser but That was just for your benefit as well <laughs> On a riser's edge Oh god. visor
2: <laughs> um, Sharp Wit.
0: Okay, I'm terminating. that's his autobiography. One, two, three, two.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm turning this pot around and taking us home.
0: <laughs> now, Sheppy, do you have anything else to say for the record on the very first of the cops?
2: I will I will I will think of things at three o'clock in the morning, but um in the meantime. Uh, Burkhoff is amazing. Um, Jonathan Banks is amazing. The other country's also in total recall. He's amazing. Um, How's that bump of your head I gave you in Detroit? <laughs> 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 Whenever, by the way, you and I got punched in one of our games in the stomach, we'd always go <clears throat> like uh, like Axel Foley. Off, um, by the way, I didn't mention earlier, when you mentioned our love of Taggart climbing over the wall and you threw away this line like, oh, all the times that you and I had to like climb over a wall. And the, the truth of it, yes, you and I in our in our childhood years, we did climb over a lot of walls. I haven't climbed over a wall for ages, Jimmy. I don't know about you, but during, I don't know, about a six year period, you and I must have scaled many, many walls. And each time we did a Taggart, so I respect the hell out of that.
0: <laughs> I have to say as well, and this whole franchise, and it's inexplicable in three. It gets to police squad levels in three, but the the aim of the baddies with their machine guns, particularly right, at um, yes. Maitland's compound or whatever, is absolutely awful. It's extraordinary <laughs> how much they miss the the goodies, but that's okay. I totally forgive I, it.
2: I think it's for same. It's the same compound that gets shot up by Arnie. Um, a year later in commando i think i've always thought it was (laughs) um i we haven't really mentioned jenny summers and maybe that says it all but good old jenny summers i like the character um i like their relationship she doesn't really have that much to do but i like jenny summers hooray for jenny summers
0: i really um i I agree i really like it too. she's very she just won't let him go on his own motion she keeps wanting to come along for the ride which is nice right. she does become a damsel at the end but fair play to her man she's a good man i really liked her i i hear you i like their i like yeah. the like, relationship i sort of just about i mean i yeah I, I just about believe the three of them were friends in detroit sort of thing you know what i mean and that's nice. right um yeah look, there's a rampant reddit theory out there that um the, the a is kind of he's almost apart from in the strip club where but you could say he's kind of doing it to tease billy but there's there's a reasonably credible theory that axel foley is gay in the original like that actually um you know he and his friend are going to have more than just a platonic couple of beers when they get home you know there's, there's more to happen and they do have an incredibly tight bond in a short space of time and there seems to be a Mm. sort of energy between them if you want to read it that way and I quite like that theory I'll be honest I think it's quite cool Mm. Um, I think unfortunately it plays into what Eddie Murphy was and wasn't allowed to do in the movies do you know what I mean and like so but in in those days so um but but yeah interesting
2: I love the idea of him actually being gay in Beverly Hills Cop. You said the first Beverly Hills Cop, but he never has a romantic interest, does he, in any of them? Certainly not Rihie in does. the second.
0: Re, he does,
2: yeah. In the third one. Okay. But either way, in the first one, just the first one, there is, a, there is something there which I can absolutely see. That would really be great, honestly. And if, if it was like um, Benoit Blanc and it's just thrown away, like in the second one, you just see his boyfriend or something when he goes out at the beginning. That would just be lovely. But there you go, what can you do? Um, We've all seen Raw. But I'll say this, um, in terms of whether or not Eddie, I I would say Eddie Murphy had absolute carte blanche to do whatever he wanted, and I don't think there's a question of that. I think Martin Brest is a fantastic director, and I think he knew to stage it, you know, to like, like a comedy, where two shots and and wide shots and just to capture the moments. And Murphy is just, you know, this is the scene. You need to achieve this. You can learn these lines if you like, or you could just be Eddie Murphy and go. And that's what you did. And so, yeah, I think he played it exactly as he wanted to and he didn't anything, you know, I don't think there was a line. I'm sure in a creative way, if he wanted to do something, and Martin Vest was like, no, let's keep the tone like this. But nothing, you know, in a restrictive manner. I don't think it wasn't that sort of set. Murphy's freedom, I think, is rampant and for the best in the first film. Um, he's yeah, it's it's wonderful. I think that's everything i, I you know I' like I say, I'm gonna think of other things to say about the film, and then I'll kick myself, but I think that's fair. I think we've covered that very well. Was um,
0: there anything else you wanted to say about the first one? I'm ready. I'm ready for a bit of Toby Scott um, appreciation. Yeah.
2: Now, I'm gonna am I'm gonna bridge the gap here by saying I mentioned Martin Brest and he's brilliant. Um, there is something very flat about the lighting in Number One. It's all you know. It's like a TV show in many ways. It's all the same depth and, like I say, it's like a comedy, which fair enough and, and it's shot that way, and the action is well shot, but again, it's not like flashy, flashy. Um, then you mentioned, yeah, let's get into Tony Scott Town. There's a lot about Beverly Hills Cop 2, which is you know jarring, especially when you compare it to the first one's smooth simplicity that Mutti liked so much. Number two has this element, which is the Bruckheimer, Tony Scott look, which is the pure widescreen, the orange tint, and this beautiful sort of smoky, it's so fucking rich, and so pure, and so cinematic. I have loved the Tony Scott look, and specifically the Beverly Hills Cop 2 look, like, forever. Whenever, when I was at uni, I lived on top of this, and there was always, like, in the summer, very nice sunsets, and it was always Beverly Hills Cop 2. Um, and it was, and so I, I really, really like everything about how that poet looks, The 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 DP is amazing, and I don't even know who it was. Um, I I think of the bit where they're breaking into the racetrack, I think. This is close-up of all the the people, the bank robbers, and they all got sweaty faces, and they're smoking, and there's like a green light. It looks so horrible and uncomfortable, and they're all coughing smoke out and shit and cutting wires. It's so grim, and everyone's so sweaty and hot. Um, I, I like all of that in this film, which... You know, and that's one thing I'll say. I wouldn't change a thing about the first one, but it is very specific in how it looks. Uh, whereas number two, so fucking pure. I really like it.
0: I hear you, Sheppy. I would love to be going on a mill style run through red clay at a sunset. Yes! Like that. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Um, yeah. A million amazing. times,
2: yes. I love that Bogamil gets some real shit to do. It's like the Bogomil adventures for the first 10 minutes of the film. You're like, yay, Bogamil, oh no, why'd you stop your car, you fool? That was lucky, by the way. That you know, she should have swerved and like almost crashed, and then he gets out of the car to help Bridget Nielsen. The fact that she's counting on him being that chivalrous, I think, is unrealistic. So there you go. There's my first minus point towards Cop
0: mm-hmm. two. <laughs> I love your recall for it. I take it you haven't re-watched, like, in recent... When did you last see it?
2: No. Well, again, it would have been when I saw the first one with Marta. We would have done one and two. So I'm going to say three or four years ago. Um, yeah, I didn't watch it deliberately this time. And again, spoiler, it's because my... The the angle I went for, I'm not ignoring Beverly Hills Cop 2 at all, but my Beverly Hills Cop 3... Is basically in tone. It's it looks you know it's 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 very much a spiritual sequel. It's the Last Crusade. It's the Return of the Jedi. It goes back to the first film. Um, And so so yeah, nice. Um, But so I so I deliberately didn't rewatch it. But I'm very familiar with Beverly Hills Cop Two. Again, there's never been more than five years since the first time I saw it. The first time I saw Beverly Hills Cop Two, you had already seen it, and we had already talked, done loads of stuff with Beverly Hills Cop One. I had it on this dodgy video, which I think was my brother's, and I watched it, but I, I you know, when you're younger, I don't know, we feel, it doesn't matter if you watch, like, the first 40 minutes, you watch the next 20 minutes, and another 20 minutes after tea, it doesn't matter. I That would kill me now. Certain films I'll break up over a day if they're, like, four hours long, but you know what I mean? For the first time as well, watching Beverly Hills Cop 2. But anyway, I remember watching it for the first time, and I got to the uh, bit with What's-His-Face, Uh, There's something in my hand, there's something else in my hand over here, Um, the parrot. Um, And then I went to school and you you were like, did you watch Beverly Hills Cop 2, Sheppy?" And I said, well, I I watched it till this point. You were like, nice one. And then you said, spoiler, although I don't think you used the word spoiler, but you said, "Um, I I think I might have asked you, does Bridget Nilsen die in it? And you said, yes. And I'll tell you this, it's not Axel Hilzer. I remember you said that. And I was like, ooh. Um so but I asked for it. It wasn't you being like a Jimmy. It wasn't a Oh like so... a
0: Jimmy. I got I got I know, right? I
2: know, and it was only background. It was only background, <laughs> I think. <laughs>
0: it was only but you backdraft. don't
2: deserve to have it named after you. It was only a letter but it was the letter. Nonetheless um, I remember watching Beverly Hills Cop 2 for the first time and I liked it uh, and I still like certain things. I like Jürgen Walsh now I like Dean Stockwell, I like that they're in it. I like Bridget Nielsen, of course she's great. She had sex with Tony Scott when they were making that film and wow. she might have been married to Stallone at that point. Wow, I didn't know that. Whoa. There you go. By the way, this is a terrible time to mention this, but I forgot earlier, and I should mention this in case I forget forever, um, the original Beverly Hills Cop, it's been fairly well documented, it's going to be making Sylvester Stallone, yeah. uh, but he wanted to change the script too much uh, and make it more hardcore action, and so they parted ways, and Sylvester's history, and Stallone took a lot of his ideas and made Cobra. So there you go, the path not taken. But there's your Bridget Nelson connection, so
0: that's. Yeah. I really, uh, I'm very happy that Stallone passed or past all got booted out for turning more. Actually, and so yeah, yeah. But man, that's so cute. I love that. It was an interesting rewatch, steps so Let me tell you too. In it, you know the impatience of accident Axel... And this had been
2: a long time, like a solid thirty years. For oh, you, yeah, right?
0: mega long. And I just and and funny you said that. I I wondered that. Yes, it is the Adventures of Bogumil to start with, but when I was first watching it, like Ronnie Cox is really high up on the credits. He's above Ashton. He's above Nielsen. He's, but mm-hmm. like, you know, he's almost number two to Murphy, I think. But anyway, um, you know, I thought, Oh, that's a really fun tease. And I thought he died. I'd remembered him actually being shot dead by oh. for his chivalry. But, um, but, but of course he isn't. You know, and, uh, and, mm. Yeah, so I just it was just interesting you know, that Cox gets such a high billing and it it's a nice tease for people and they're probably going to see more of him. Um, That's I, true. Uh,
2: yeah, it's for Psycho Maneuver. Ronnie Cox in both those films is great. In the first film, it's worth mentioning quickly that, of course, Ronnie Cox is great and uh, and Judge Reinhold and John Astic. They're all great. I just wanted to shout that out. It's all valid.
0: It is... It doesn't hang together quite as well. I agree with visually, it's absolutely extraordinary and stunning. I feel like the um, the the little skits that Foley does to get into places, just not quite the same par as they are in the first yeah. one, and don't quite have the narrative thread of the first one a wee bit like, they seem just showcase without any real plot behind it, a little bit, do you know what I mean? And there's that kind of... It's this kind is my biggest
2: problem work. with okay. part two, actually. It's my biggest problem with part two, um, and it always has been, and it's very jarring. Um, it's just that, yeah, Murphy's you know, is out of control, and it's, yeah, there's so many bits that are just, like, very, very, very self-indulgent, and, and that's a shame.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that is the problem. It's that, the
2: dark side of letting Murphy do what he wants. Uh, and at that point,
0: yeah, you know, it's the biggest. It's um, got a moment in it, big though. Which, Michael Jackson. Pick. Yes. And I, I, there's got a moment in it that I totally forgot about and made me so happy to happen again and really made me laugh out loud. And I don't know whether it's one that you remember fondly as well, Sheffy, but it's where they're, they're, um, they're breaking in. And, uh, and Murphy uh, is using some gum for it to break in. And then basically, um, I think it's either, uh, I think it's Rosewood asks for a piece. And so he gives Rosewood a piece, takes a piece, and there's nothing left. And he goes to tag, and none for you. <laughs> but the way he says, and none for you, is just so cute and funny. And I forgot, I think I probably said it for the next 10 years. Like, it's a really beautiful line delivery, really made me laugh out loud. Maybe so that's nice. it's, it's the, that's where it should be. Like just Number
2: little, two, um, number two has a lot of bits like that. It's yes. I will say um, all those little bits are always wonderful and the, the chemistry between those three, the characters and the actors are, are really wonderful. Um, that film number two has a lot of stuff that did directly appeal to you and I at that age of like eleven, twelve, like Rosewood accidentally firing the rocket launcher and blowing up the truck. that was a real us type of joke. and the gun coming down on the side of the head when he's looking in the window and the the hammer cocking back. It's so classic and but yeah, you know, it, it just works really well. Um so that's great. Um so just little things like that, and the breaking in and all that little interplay, play and things going wrong. Um, yes, so it's it's nice. it works. Jurgen Proshnell's death is uh, anticlimactic. But um I do like the the whole setup and the, the the shootout and all of that and the big dusty arena.
0: Yeah, completely. I I it's just very formative for future Brookheimer directors to take a spin at that stuff. I agree, man. I love it. Yes. Um yeah. It's uh I, I'm not sure like the I hear you, like the Billy becoming a sort of a, a weapons enthusiast. Is is an interesting one now. Yeah. doesn't quite you know hold up, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, but, it's uh... not a
2: natural progression. It's no. like, what do we do with Billy now? And now we'll just oh we'll now make him a gunnut. But it, it's not a natural progression. He so showed no sign of being a gunnut in the first film. And so they were just like, Yeah, what do we do with him? Oh now he's this. Like in the I remember in the third film he has like a cowboy angle. It's uh, it's it's stupid. But yeah. there you go. I do like going to Billy's house, and I like seeing Billy's house with the, you know, damn Billy, which is a becoming bit in the film, and also, is it Big Owl, the, the turtle, the tortoise? Yeah. You know where your, big, your, your dick is, don't you, Big Owl? Al. That's always good stuff.
0: That is funny. <laughs> That's the best stuff. I can actually just watch them hanging out. I don't even need them to do any detecting, really. It's really happy and fun yes. for three. I love it. Now,
2: now let's give yeah. Billy a big dating game kiss. <laughs> also, something about the first two films was that in the first film, he blags his way into a really nice hotel. In the second film, he blags his way into this really, really nice mansion. And I like that. And I remember a little spoiler in the third film they don't do it and he's just like staying at some motel and that's, that's sort of, that's exactly the eye of the dark of what's wrong with
0: that film Yeah, that's exactly one of my notes Sheps. that's amazing you remember yeah. that from one cinema visit I
2: remember yeah. number three quite a lot I think actually.
0: That's so funny, really left... cut deep Yeah yeah. Just, just before we get to it as well final point I had on too is just at the end it really while the action is sort of ramping up a bit it loses its thread. like you can almost feel the kind of a bit of chaos, be it drugs or otherwise, on the screen chefs, which is to say, like, they repeat some lines, like detection lines, no. even around, this is where Bogomil was running or whatever, like, you know, and no. they do that twice, and you're like, oh, <laughs> okay, like, you kind of did the exposition already, like, you're doing it again, it's, it's weird. Yeah. There's a couple of little moments in jar, a bit like that, where you're like, oh, they didn't quite... Like no, you know, edit it yeah. in there, it's a shame. But
2: I, you know, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think, you know Like I say, it, it it was a bit of a mess and you know, self-indulgent set pieces and so on. But and and they do say fuck a lot um, in that film. There are a lot of fucks more than the first one, I think. Um, by the way, there was an ITV advert which was heavily edited, but I I, I had that pirated copy on video, so it was okay. But the ITV advert was like showed the bit where he runs up to the prison, I think, and he shouts up, Hey, sound the alarm, you're gonna break it. I need authorization. And him and his, is it Billy? Authorized, bang, bang, bang. Um, I remember the trailer was like, I need authorization, bang, 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 authorized. And then the ITV voiceover man is like, Authorized for action. Eddie Murphy's back in Beverly Hills Cop 2 on LWT this Saturday at seven.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it, love it, Chefs. It's bloody amazing. Um.
2: I love the beginning of the film with the whole Ferrari, which is so needless. And I love the whole Jeffrey stuff. And Jeffrey's great as a sort of a throwaway character in the first film. And then they give him something more to do, which I'm all for, especially because it's Riser. And he gets that whole thing to do with the Ferrari and his whole thing with with the detective, with with Chief Todd going in. I don't know where the hell he is. And again, it's really self-indulgent, but it gives Riser something to do. And it always sort of makes me happy. And again, there's no need for the Ferrari to even be in that film. It's just for the title sequence. Doesn't do anything. No. no, that's good stuff.
0: But it's it, yeah, agreed. But it's a nice juxtaposition to the original car, isn't it? Stuff, and it makes that's me true. happy. It's cool.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Hello there. You, like you reached the run.
0: I'll like be sure you... to
2: get back to you at my earliest inconvenience. <laughs> hey. <It's> amazing.
0: <laughs> You're right. I actually love what they do with Jeffrey. Jeffrey's on a actually interestingly, he's pretty flawless. The two Jeffreys in sequel terms like that doesn't let the movie down at all. Both are five star, if you know what I mean. Like in a three My star body. movie, which I think Belial's got two probably is, Jeffrey is still five star, which makes me very happy. Yes. That's good, that's nice. Um,
2: they don't squander <laughs> their riser, <laughs> yeah. crime is on the riser.
0: We've done them, they're done. <laughs> <laughs> Are we ready then, Sheps, to go to Beverly Hills Cop?
2: Yeah, go on then. Yeah, yeah. Well, Although, I mean, generally speaking, then, so you enjoyed this rewatch of Beverly Hills Cop 2, you you thought it was generally good. Yeah, I, um, I did,
0: I did. I have to say, I like, like the TV.
2: gun place they go to.
0: Yeah, I, I've got to tell you now, Sheps, like, I'm getting a bit, I'm turning to such an old man. Like, an action scene needs to be bloody awesome for me, like, to really still hold me. And um and like so, whenever I'm watching a Marvel movie now or whatever, I could I could care less about the big bad at the end, really, and the big CGI fest. Do you know what I mean? Like, give me all the interplay between sure. Marvel characters and all that stuff. And here, it's all about the interplay. And when it's good, it's singing again into which is really happy. Yeah. And um and all the gangs back, literally, and that's happy. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, that it's just for me, the action does let it down. It looks beautiful in spots but it does let it down sure. at the end for me like it just feels a bit yeah. exhausting by the end i'm like oh you know um i just i actually think if they had, ironically given you and i did Hills Cup 25 or whatever like you know i almost feel like never touch Hills cop it's kind of a perfect movie just leave yeah. it an absolute 80s beacon and and yeah. just have it you know what i mean i, I would actually probably on balance trade to to have that status and it could be like a well probably is a hollywood all-time to be fair but just yeah
2: anyway. but it has been diluted by people mm-hmm. for sure you could yeah. say the same for rocky but yes yes um, or oh, police academy come to that that bastion <laughs> that beacon bloody love that, that film it's an untapped classic but nonetheless um by the way, did you know that Ben Elton and Richard Curtis were approached for Police Academy, either five or six, maybe six, and it was going to be them go to London, but um, Curtis and Elton told them to fuck off, we don't write for hire. So there you go. I don't know if I mentioned that previously, but I'm mentioning yeah. it now. So there. I'd love this to side. That.
0: that could be our SOG. We could do the SOG, Police Academy in London. What does that look like? Yeah. I'll tell you Bobby's what. Bobby's on the beat. That could be quite fun. Uh, that can anyway. be a solid. <laughs> okay, okay. It, we, so hit
2: me, Jimmy. So you did. You took one for the team and you really want Beverly Hills to stop doing, presumably, but maybe I'm wrong. Was this the first time you've seen this since we saw it, that
0: fateful yeah. day? It, it it was. It was the first time, Ships, And um, I knew I was in big trouble within five minutes. Within five minutes. Um the first I'll give you the two reasons. One, um, he's object he's playing a different character, Murphy, which is a real mm-hmm. shame. Like he's outside of, of mechanics and he is um insecure. He's he's meant to be using a SWAT or he's been challenged to use a SWAT team and he thinks no they can handle it basically. Um and um but he's really insecure about it and he's kind of asking some of his deputies whether like, you know, should we be using SWAT? Should we be like, you know. And he's just got zero confidence, um, and you know, I, I read somewhere that like Murphy had said to Landis, like you know, I, I, I he's grown up now, at Foley. He's not going to be an idiot, like do you know what I mean. And there are moments when he's an idiot, and that's where the movie has its moments. It's really fun, but but he's uh,
2: never been an idiot. I mean, if if he means by that like a clown, but then that's yeah. sort of missing the point, isn't yeah. it?
0: It really is. And anyway, so he's playing a different person. Then, Sheppi, this is the reason we have to watch it together. (laughs) While while the the mechanics are doing their thing inside, they literally, two of them, start breaking into a dance to the radio and then do a dance together for the benefit of the fourth wall. They're (laughs) looking at us it's been established there's nobody else they're dancing to they're dancing <laughs> but us with this and they're bit... that fucking happens that happens <laughs> in the first five minutes I can't wait it's to a weird choice it. it's weird we choice <laughs> it's so awful and then they have this huge I mean you probably remember Todd gets shot in the shootout and stuff yes. and dies, and then has this huge like Backdraft desk funeral, which it'll be afterwards, and there's this mm. deep exchange of words with Foley which is actually quite nice. It's quite a nice little moment between the two of them, you know and um uh, but it's but it's sort of badly judged as well, all of it and and there's are really weird it's moments really flat moments to make you realize this really is one star, you know what I mean, like like Murphy's found some clue to what the, uh uh god wonderworld in the in the mechanics and then he's uh I haven't even written this down so I'm fluffing it a little but you know then they're at the funeral he's talking to two other detectives after the service where they've had a very beautiful uh singer sing Amazing Grace or something that just realized it's just been, been so weird and, and and then he's talking to these two cops and he goes, I found this at the scene and uh, and they're like, Oh all right, Wally World well and that they oh, oh. Keep saying Wally World, that's what I wanted to not say. But you know, Wonder World, you know, and then Murphy goes off. And then the two cops just look at each other and just go, Wonder World, like that to each other together. Like that's what they say after it. Oh. Oh, Oh." okay. Like this this it's so jarring and weird. And you're like, oh, okay. Strange choices. Really strange choices. And then, but it's not without merits, Sheps. So I'm gonna tell you a couple of merits too, which is oh, actually. There's a couple of other things you mentioned as well. The fact that he doesn't stay, he doesn't blag his way into anywhere, and he just stays in a motel, which is just so stupid. And then, um, (laughs) and then he goes to uh, Wonderworld, and he's immediately knocked back. But he because the ticket is astronomical, and then he doesn't do anything about it. He just grudgingly agrees to pay for it without saying, like you know, hey, I left my shoe in there or something. Like like nothing, there's nothing, you know. So so, it's so. I'd forgotten the George Lucas. The classic
2: KO left my shoe in their gambit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have actually pulled on something similar uh, with my, but anyway, uh, we've got George Lucas, um, you know, Caviar, which I totally forgot. I don't know if you remember that, People but waiting to get on the ride. And in fact, yeah, it's it's Lucas
2: and Coppola.
0: Yeah, I mean, Jesus. Um, And that whole rescue scene is pretty cool, actually, to be honest, has its moments, but is so ridiculous as well like you know he would have a statue of him after that and then they're able to flip it and say he's a terrorist in the park like with no real substance it's pretty mad um there's a ridiculously overdrawn scene but you probably wouldn't see it as overdrawn maybe because it's just extra surge time but (laughs) They set Serge up as a Q type, but I'd totally forgotten this, by the way. Serge is an um, yeah, and he's got these weapons and stuff, which is so ridiculous. And he remembers the espresso he made Billy, like from God 10 years ago. Like, he literally specifically remembers his espresso type, which may or may not, I don't know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> One of the things, as well, I'd totally forgotten. I
2: heard Johnson uh, Pinshop say that um working with Murphy in the first film was amazing, but he said that Murphy was really depressed making the third film. So Landis was just standing off camera doing all of the Eddie Murphy lines and he just let Murphy go to his trailer and said, I'll do all of this and he said, you know, and so just like Murphy just wasn't in it, you know, like spiritually, enthusiastically. I remember he was on Clive Anderson a few years later when he had his comeback with Nutty Professor said, like, oh, I didn't want to do number three, but they, yeah, they offered me money. I said, no, I don't want to more money. I said, no, I don't want to. They offered me more money. I said, okay, I'll do it. And he said, at least he addressed it. I,
0: it makes me very sad yeah. to hear that, to be honest. But you can feel it. You can definitely feel it, Sheps. And um, yeah, they have they have some other ridiculousness as well, I'll just quickly give you, which is there's a whole big, like, Mickey Mouse-style character of the park called Okie Dokie. And Murphy pretends to be him at one point, you know, big fluffy animal thing, and gets punched by a kid while he's being okie-dokie, which is a whole scene I won't go into and awful, um, and then goes into the back of the uh, park And the other animals through the park are playing cards but they've still got their heads on (laughs) (laughs) let me tell you Sheppy, as someone who's bloody run a race dressed as one of those things you take those heads off like you know every three minutes you can Uh, but that was ridiculous um, they've got a big band horn version of the theme tune, which is just of the, the you know, da, 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 which we should have talked about the soundtrack. It's extraordinary! It's an extraordinary soundtrack, um, you know, which is just nuts. Um, the main villain uh, in it is actually reasonably effective and does some hardcore things at certain points, but really gets his hands dirty. He's doing all the jobs that his his you know people should be doing you know what I mean? Like, just all of them. Like, he's just, he's just, he's right in the field, basically. And he's like a politician type, so it's inexplicable that he'd be seen doing anything, you know. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. They create, I don't know if you remember this, but they create a theme park character for him at the end called Axel Fox. And um, and it's got this sort of Star Wars Lord of the Rings. Yeah, just reminded me. Style. Yeah, it's got like a Star Wars Lord of the Rings style ending at the park with like a cgi crowd of thousands and a huge inflatable axel fox being unveiled and basically axel is just king of beverly hills forever now like it's awful it can't be canon basically it's and it, um, yeah um, and there are So john
2: aston didn't come back as tackleberry i mean tackleberry, as um as taggart did he john aston sat right. this one out and it was hector L- lonzaro
0: yeah, and you still you think he's going to be a baddie? And Ronnie Cox
2: is is Ronnie. Think that play. Hector Lazario was going to be a baddie?
0: Yeah, as you're watching it, he's sort of in there with the politician guy, but he's not actually a baddie. It's like, uh, oh really? Yeah.
2: Oh, I don't, I don't remember that.
0: Um, but but no, see-
2: Ronnie. Um, and of course Judge Reinhold came back because what else is he going to do and I remember specifically you mentioned the bullets and the bad sh- shots from the goons and I remember specifically at the end like Billy is just walking and then this machine gun fire just goes over his head into the- and then he shoots the people and it's just like a cowboy comment I remember that really clearly
0: oh It's just, it's almost as bad as Police Squad when they're behind a bin each and they're just sort of firing like that. It's almost that bad, Sheppy. It's really, really, really poor. I'll give you the two bits that made me actually laugh out loud, though. So that's something, right? One where, uh, basically, Axel... um, is <laughs> uh goes to see Billy at the, the police station, and um, and, and like he's <laughs> he, Billy just gets a knock at the door, and he's like, What? And he just rolls his <laughs> uh, thing up, and all these like faces in the blinds, like with big eyes. It's really funny. And then their greeting is genuine, genuine friendship greeting. It's actually a really, really lovely judged moment. I really liked that, and um, that made me happy.
2: A and, nice Judge Reinhold moment. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I don't know if you remember this, but one of the little um uh, mcguffins is the the kind of currency that they're creating in the park, and um, they're creating real right. bills in the park using one of the machines, and and Foley's so onto them, and it's ridiculous, but he's so onto them, he's he <laughs> the machine, and then he basically instead of like a little you know the the dollar head or whatever in the middle, it's like Axel Foley guy. Like <laughs> like with a really big cheesy grin, and it's just been printed out a thousand times, <laughs> and then they know that he's onto them. It's a really funny, ridiculous thing that made me laugh. Um, <laughs> um,
2: and isn't he being chased? It's like James Bond dressing up in in the clown when there's a ticking. Time bomb going on. It's like he's being Axel. Correct me if I'm wrong. He's being chased at that moment, and he has a second to spare. And that's when he does the the OK sign, grinning into the camera, and creates his own currency. Whilst there are goons like inches away from him, it's uh, he's he's quick on his feet. I'll give him that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, I think though, Shep's here's the interesting thing with maybe I want to say. Ten tweaks, top of the head. Like you could actually turn Beverly Hills Cockpit Three into maybe a four star movie. You could you could build the tone wow. and vibe of the trailer. It's actually not a terrible idea for a plot. You have to reshoot quite a bit, but not you know the the basic thought behind it. And of course, LA famous for its theme parks and stuff. So that's a great. Yeah. It's it, it it has some juice, but um, yeah, I, you know. It, 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 a couple of tweaks here and there. It could have been really quite good. It's such a shame. It's such a shame.
2: In my mind, I always remember that, um, first of all, Flicks said it's going to be Die Hard in an amusement park, and they changed it, and it wasn't really in the final version like that at all. But also, I remember, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but in my memory, the theme park which we see, which I am going to call Wally World, I don't give a fuck, that, uh, it, it looks like really small and a bit shitty it looks like brighton pier or something it's not this mega mega disney-esque you know miles squared area it looks like cranley bonfire so with that respect it's like yeah so if the film had a big budget and it did it right then absolutely because yes uh, that's one thing that yes like you say los angeles has where they could do
0: that to that point though, Sheffy, even within its own theme park logic, it's ridiculous. Because like they'll go kind of, they've got that <laughs> one that Murphy rescues people off, which actually looks reasonably thrilling. And then they But then again,
2: that's one. the worst escape I've ever seen. Because it doesn't go anywhere, does it? Like why no. does he even get in it? He's he's being chased and he gets in like this thing that goes up and around.
0: Yeah, they're just going to be waiting for him at the bottom. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. Yeah, um...
2: (laughs) and he's waving goodbye, like bye.
0: (laughs) He's waving goodbye, Um, and uh, and but then they 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 show you like a ride from the seventies Universal Studios or something where it's a faux earthquake and like, and it becomes a big plot point. You know, it's like a. The, the the carriage shakes a bit there's a little bit of fire a big flood comes around the corner of a of a, a subway tunnel and it okay it's it, obviously technically very clever but you know the the girl operating it talking to murphy becomes his love interest in the movie it's sort of like this is our most popular ride it's the thrilling ride and you're like uh, i don't know about that we just see the bloody thingy yeah the- and then of course it's so heavy-handed. Yeah. Like at, the, at the end, there's a baddie standing exactly where the flood's going to come in, and doesn't shoot Murphy yeah. until he manages to get drowned himself, which is ridiculous and all of that. But um, yeah. <laughs> um,
2: yeah. Right. <laughs> Amazing. Oh uh, yeah! Doesn't Murphy hide behind a corpse and then like lift up? It's like sub weekend at Bernie's and go, "Hey, you're going to go over there," and like lifts up his hand so it looks like he's pointing.
0: He does. I wish I had it's weird. I, I actually neutralized that from my memory, too, just now
2: <laughs> Yeah, it's weird stuff, it's weird stuff. I want to say before I forget about Todd being shot, it does occur to me when I the very first thing I did when I was approaching my my idea was like, what is the reason why, you know what, what's the reason Axel was going to go to Beverly Hills?" And it occurred to me that in all three films, it's because someone gets shot. It's always someone getting shot. Is why uh, you know it's the instigation of the plot. So spoiler, that's not what I did. Oh but it's like that. That that's a bit lame. It's a bit lame. Um, so I just wanted to mention that, which is another bad down point. It's like the writers are number three. We're like, well, what can we do? What, uh, oh well, it has to be someone getting shot, doesn't it? Oh yeah, I suppose it does. Rubbish, Absolutely balls. Um, so hooray for Beverly Hills Cop three. Um, but yes, uh, well done again to you. You see, you're saying basically, is it a low two star? Is no, it's it a one star? Is therapy. there one? Enough... Okay.
0: Yeah. It right. could have been good two, stuff. But that, when you've got singing mechanics breaking the fourth wall, like you're in a
2: in the first. I don't even know minutes. what university
0: you're in anymore. Like I don't know what. Were they
2: famous? Is you it know, like a cameo? What... Were they huge in mean, '94?
0: Uh, one of them is the guy who played. It wasn't Kid something. and
2: Play or something?
0: <laughs> no, it, one of them is the the cousin or something from Entourage. I recognised him from that, and then oh. the other one I don't know. Like,
1: also oh, the other
0: two people, yeah, jumping actors in Three Amigos actually is one of the the larger Mexican oh. Antitos, maybe, maybe. But uh, oh, I'm gonna have to watch it. I can't wait. To oh, see that is
2: see. weird,
0: very weird, weird stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna try and find it on YouTube and and, and pop it up. The other side. Wow. But should we, oh,
2: God. We yeah, should, why not? Why let's, not?
0: Let's do it. Let's give the world a different Beverly Hills Cup 3. Um,
2: in case I forget, it should be mentioned as, as we record this. So they made Beverly Hills Cup 1 in 84, number 2 in 87, number 3 in 94. And with, with that in mind, they made a, and they're making now Beverly Hills Cup 4. Um, it's happening, they might have even already finished filming, so that's exciting. Also, they made a TV show of Beverly Hills Cop about five years ago, and it was Axel Foley's nephew, and it's his adventures, and Axel is in it, played by Murphy, and now he's the new you know, Todd, and now he's the chief in, in Detroit, so he had like a cameo in the pilot, but apparently he was so good that they cancelled the show saying, you should be getting your own TV show or film, and for a while, Brett Ratner was going kind to of direct number four. Um, so Murphy was so good, they cancelled the show, which means the actor who played Foley's cut- her nephew must be fucking livid, though so
0: gutted. <laughs> Amazing. I haven't seen any of that yet. Have you seen it, the show?
2: No. I don't think it's available, man. It was cancelled.
0: Oh, well, no, you know, I, I I looked it up yesterday. I haven't watched it yet, but it, there's bits on YouTube and stuff. I did see that. I was going to have oh, a look. Oh, wow. At it. No, I'll leave it. I'll leave it, but, um, but Oh, yeah. it's huge. Yeah.
2: It's like that Wonder Woman. Um, The, the David R. Kelly Wonder Woman, where you see sort of tiny clips here and there. Or is there, it could, is, the, is the pilot episode available? That's I a mean, good do you point. I don't know about the whole
0: pilot. It. All I saw was like all Eddie Murphy's bits from Beverly Hills Cop TV show or something like that, you know, and it's just kind of, I think it had been strung together. Wow. Yeah. Oh. Um,
2: That's, well, that, that might be yeah worth putting up. That's exciting. Well, there you go. I love it. So with that in mind, um, knowing that there's so much that I'm going to wake up at three o'clock in the morning going, fuck! But generally speaking, hooray for Beverly Hills Cop, hooray for Beverly Hills Cop 2 to a lesser but specific event, and uh, fuck Beverly Hills Cop 3, hooray, you and I, we're going to do our own Beverly Hills Cop 3 for people who have listened this far and don't know what's going to happen. So that's exciting. Jimmy, I can't wait to hear your Beverly Hills Cop 3. Lay it on me. Lay it on me like Harold Faltermeyer. Wow.
0: <laughs> let me say, Chefs, for starters, that what are we now? We said 1994. So we are nearly bloody 20 years. Now. Hang on, let me get that right. 30 years later
1: um, yes that's
0: right i've spent the last 30 wow, years yeah. in landis to give it some alliteration and um i have to say approaching this <laughs> I have, i've not done a better job than him probably so uh you know with apologies to the landis estate and uh and full uh, understanding and respect for what it takes to really write a Beverly hills cop movie um, but um, So yes, Sheppy. here's Beverly Hills Cop 3
2: Yeah, but do you have two dancers breaking the fourth wall no. and, and two people saying Wally World at the same time because from the sounds of it your disclaimer and apology to the Landis estate I mean, I don't necessarily blame Landis for number three I, I think his hands were tied I think Murphy was for it. I'm sure the producers were cutting corners Superman 4 styling all over the place so I don't blame any one person But then again, Landis did make certain decisions and should be held accountable for those at least. Any decisions you make in terms of, we don't have Eddie Murphy to hand who's on form to say, go ahead and improvise this scene. So with that in mind, without that ingredient at our disposal, I think you can be forgiven for not coming up with like Eddie Murphy caliber wisecracking.
0: Thanks, Sheppy. I appreciate that caveat. And I did so... Just to give you this as well, when we get to it, uh, there is a moment which was the eye of what I really wanted to do with my Beverly Hills Cop 3. It was the specific thing that's been in my mind, I think, for a long time, actually, not just when we came to do this on SOG. And it was like, that's what I really want to do. Um, that would be really cool to see. And then because it's kind of the third act of the movie... I've done my classic, and I have gone quite heavy at the beginning, <laughs> and, then, and then sort of. Abs- i have literally given you like three sentences to cover that stuff at the end, so um, you have to use your <laughs> deepest imagination when it gets to the bit I really wanted to write. But uh, but there we go. Um, so uh, I, I've, I've I've kind of gone a bit heavier in the first bit, and then and then it's uh, then it's fine. So be just to give you an idea that we're on page two <laughs> of six here but the sixth page has got larger font for some reason i don't know what happened with my word document so anyway i'll get to it
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> beverly hills cop 3 1989 uh directed by martin brest That's all nice martin Brest back uh we've got obviously eddie murphy sucks foley Reynolds back ashton's back we've got gilbert hill back as inspector todd paul riser as jeffrey ronnie cox as Bogomil show as I said before, back as Surge. Um, we've got Helen Mirren in. Um, now, I have done my classic and not oh. given any names here. But I've got Helen Mirren, um, just at that sort of uh, kind of middle-aged moment for her. Very sexy still. Maybe she's mm. a bit younger, actually. A few you know, years she's...
2: before Crime Suspect.
0: Yes. So she's kind of long Good Friday, I'd imagine, around this sort of time, but she's Well oh, like... no, she's about
2: six or seven years after Long Good Friday at this point. Nice. Seven I think that's
0: catching later. my perfect mirror. I'm happy with that. So that's she's in it. She's the big bad. I'm just calling that just to make it easy for everyone to remember. Yeah. Um I've got Sonny Landham from Predator oh, Um and 48 it's... Hours. And put it out nice. And he's gonna be Sonny. Um, I've got a young Danny Treo as uh, a character oh. called Treo. <laughs> yeah. and again, so Sonny and Trejo basically mirrors lackeys, so two two men uh, who are going to do the dirty work. And then um, I've got Carl Weathers in a cameo, oh. uh, a guy called Jason Walker, but just that's just a made up name for for him. But anyway, yeah, so that will come in a minute. So um, that's amazing yeah big predator reunions big 48 hours reunions all sorts happening um we have our opening credits over a rundown detroit a lot of the car manufacturing places are being closed down um there's a bit of like you know, union picketing and that sort of stuff so detroit's sort of in trouble um, putting a bit of context on that and then much like the first movie um, we have an opening scene involving a drug deal and 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 we have a uh, a couple of drug dealers who are waiting one of them is Treyo, um but they're kind of waiting for someone to arrive for it for, for some kind of transaction in the back of one of these uh run down um detroit factories and um they're just bickering between themselves you know what time did this cameron guy say he'd be here etc cetera, etc cetera. and then um and then we just get <laughs> it's like. We just get a, I mean, this isn't really necessarily breast style it's much more Scott style, but and we get a sort of a sunsetty, eww, just like, <laughs> and the car pulls up through the sunset and a big boss gets out of the car. Um, This is this Cameron guy, but this is also really Jeffrey with his hair slicked. Oh, amazing. Looking nails-ish, I've put. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, and so he starts the deal and um Jeffrey is just about holding his own and he's he's probably convincing them, not quite convincing us. Um and our, our camera angle here pulls up above the building and we have Axel crouched um with an earpiece. I've uh, put looking nails AF because that's Axel probably as well. The initials is nice um, oh, anyway. is it? Um he's back in his in his bomber jacket from two still. Let's just say it's just a, a little bit of a synergy there. Oh, no. He's wearing a cap though, and um and he's listening uh, into the exchange. He's sort of looking that sort of um on in the field look, you know what I mean? And he's got a little earpiece in so listening to the exchange. Um now Jeffrey is starting to to um to wobble a little bit um in his in his cover. Um and during the exchange the two fellas including trail introduced somebody else to to just um, validate the deal and this is sonny as well and and this is something jeffrey wasn't expecting um, and i've put like sonny's got his predator physique and and he's got like a little turtleneck leather jacket and i've put like car gloves i don't want to be so specific this costume but anyway and um, there wasn't supposed to be an extra person at the deal it's thrown jeffrey and um and then Sonny's just like, What are you worried about? Your cop or something like that. Uh, and Jeffrey tries to act cool but instead squeaks. <laughs> and then follow on the roof through the earpiece just goes, Oh shit. And uh and Sonny walks over to Jeffrey and there's a big gulp from a sweaty riser. And uh and then of course he's a cop, you know, and he and Sonny just says, Some people don't like to get their hands dirty, but with cops, I like to get extra dirty, and he removes his gloves. And um nice. And then we just basically Jeffrey's toast and until we hear a, excuse me, anyone know the way to the science center? And Axel walks in with his cap flipped round, his jacket <laughs> tied around his shoulders like a tennis player. And Sonny's sort of momentarily caught off guard. And he goes, what the fuck? And, we, and then Axel continues, my brother Squeaky, he said if you go to Michigan, you have to see the science center. And he strides, well, he strides over to Sonny pulls out a little police notebook that he has in his pocket. He goes, I wrote down squeaky's instructions to the letter to get left on Clarence Street, but I seem to have lost myself. And then Foley drops the book, draws his gun real quick, points it into Sonny's temple and goes, why don't you boys put your guns down and maybe we can all find our way? Like that. And Sonny just sort of smiles and uh, at, at Foley's gunpoint. And a character Foley hasn't spotted steps behind him, puts a gun to the back of Axel Foley's head, and just says after you, officer. And Axel sighs and then just says, oh, Jeffrey, you got your piece. And Jeffrey just goes down no, and now, no. Axel, I, you know, he goes, You don't. And Axel just shouts, If you don't have my piece, you don't have your piece. How many times have I said to carry your piece? And then Jeffrey just goes, Axel, I told you from the beginning, I'm not really a field guy. But, and Axel goes, well, it's okay to trash my Ferrari in the field. And he, he goes, <laughs> Jeffrey just goes, Now you know that was technically, and the, the, all these fucking goons are like kind of looking at each other. He goes, And, uh, and Axel just goes, I bet your stupid ass isn't even wearing a vest that. And Jeffrey goes, Axel, I'm undercover. And uh, Axel goes, Undercover, that shit's gonna get you killed. <laughs> and one of the goons, Treo, shoots Jeffrey square in the chest and he flies backwards. Turns out he is wearing a vest. He recovers nice. quickly, spins, shoots the same goon, Treo hits the side of treo's ankle and Treo falls over we have a full gunfight in this abandoned um, automotive warehouse and um, i've just put a few cool moments with old machinery um there's a chase through the garage between foley and sonny um, but foley is is outrun by him and the other guy as well so foley gets back to treo who's down um and shot in the ankle and um pulls out a wallet and there's nothing really in there a couple of cards or whatever and a business card for a salon in California, and um and probably just says Jeffrey Cup is kinky ass. So that, uh, basically, excellent <laughs> um, Jeff. Uh, then we cut to them bringing Treo into the um, police depot, um, exactly the same one as the other two. um And I always hate it when they make it different. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's just it's got to yeah. feel that vibe, that lighting. Anyway, and um, and obviously trails in limping. And, um, and, of course, the word on the street amongst the other cops is that, 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 that Todd is looking for them. And um, and Axel just says to Jeffrey, stole him for me as long as you can, would you, Jeffrey? And Jeffrey takes a deep breath, tiptoes into the inspector's office, and we hear, God damn it, we got no proper warrant. We can't keep the son of a bitch like that. And uh, Jeffrey says, Axel's taking him to the hospital, sir. He goes, so Foley's gone and got a goddamn conscience bullshit Jeffrey. Or that. Anyway, we that and anyway axel smuggled treo into uh, one of the interrogation rooms sits him down at a table i've gone so deep at this point Jeffrey, i just had too much fun anyway, sits him down at a the table there's two chairs the other side of the table and axel says now you don't have a lot of time before shit's going south for you man and treo just says i ain't telling you shit And the uh, um, probably just says okay okay and his voice goes very calm in that sort of softly, softly, foley way. And he sits down and he goes, now we got a word that a very big deal was going to be taking place here in Detroit in the next fortnight. And I wondered if you might care to enlighten me on any details you may have in relation to that information. And Treo still cuffed, just leans forward and spits on the table. And Axel just raises a finger and goes, now that was good, cop." <laughs> and then with cheeky eyes, he sleeves over to the side yeah. of the seat and he straightens his back. And he just gives one of those crazy squinty smiles that Eddie Murphy does when he's sort of <laughs> making a really like he makes a really <laughs> naughty comment, you know what I mean? Like, and then yeah, and normally it's massive teeth, up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and he's holding up how racist someone's just been or not, or like, you know all that sort of stuff. He's just like that, that, and that, and then he just launches into this crazy, funny, cheeky tirade of obscenity that's then interrupted by Todd opening the door. And Axel is like, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and then he just sees Todd and he goes, I'm gonna make sure that ankle gets looked at for you, sir. And he um, like lifts Traylor up, <laughs> escorts him out the door, and um gives him over to a couple of lower level cops who take him away. And Todd just says to him, Axel, what the hell are you doing, wasting time like this? Because you can't tail him, you can't do anything with him, you had no warrant, you're too damn impatient. And, um, and uh, and he goes, I could have put one of my best detectives on this thing, but you're off the case. 48 hours of that. So that's what the system. It's a very specific amount of time. sir. it's almost a fourth wall moment. And Todd Raymond really? just goes, you're off the case indefinitely. And, uh, and excellent, just backtracks and goes, you know, actually, a little mini weekend break might do me the world. Yes, you know, so I was thinking I could do with a vacation, maybe some fishing. And so Todd just says, Vacation? I'm not granting that. Your vacations are more dangerous than damn lampoons. No, you two shitheads just pull yourself crowd control. And then uh, Jeffrey just says, but, but my allergies. <laughs> and then <laughs> so Todd just says, Take a damn aspirin. like that. And uh, basically that's that, and it's kind of like a lethal weapon three where we did you a know, busted back to traffic cops. Yeah. And we cut to Axel and Jeffrey on horses, pulling security for the Detroit Lions American football game. And um I just love the idea of Axel Foley looking po-faced on top of a horse. And I do think <laughs> I wanted to know if the Americans have horses like we do for our football games back in England, you know what I mean? And, uh, and they do, and that makes me very happy for the police to do that security. So anyway, he's next to uh, Foley's po-faced on his horse, next to Jeffrey, whose eyes are basically super closed and super close. <laughs> and um, maybe between the two of them, there's an opportunity for a tiny bit of political commentary here, you know, how when the jobs are gone, football's still keeping people happy and it keeps the, the crowds at, at peace, you know, whatever. but anyway, um, most important things here is that um, Axel Spots, the Sonny guy, a corner of his eye, going into the back of the stadium, hops off his horse and says, "Jeffrey, can you watch this thing for me? And then he looks at Jeffrey's eyes and goes, never mind, just hold the reins. And um, yeah. anyway, at the back of the stadium, security is super tight and Foley's uh, just clocking the whole scene and, um, and he spots a uh, superstar football player, Jason Walker, a.k.a. Carl Weathers, entering the stadium. Nice. And his eyes widen and narrow. He goes to the security gate. Of course, there's um, someone sitting there who's easily, <laughs> easily guided by Foley. But just before he gets to the security gate, he takes his shoes and then his socks off, puts his shoes back on. And then we get this whole skit, basically, where he says, now Jason Walker's gone and forgotten his lucky socks. And if you don't want him to score, scratch that. If you want him to jam, lose his mind and start scoring touchdowns in his own half. And by all means, don't let me into the stadium. So effectively, he gets in by taking uh, the lucky socks in for Jason Walker, which is a bit of a Beverly Hills COP 2 type skip, but I'm keeping it. And then um, <laughs> inside the stadium, um, we see he spots some kids, you know, in waistcoats going in and out of a changing room. So he he goes into and puts a little bow tie on and a waistcoat and uh, steals the gear and comes back out again, finds his way into an executive box that's serving some canapes in the stadium, spots Sonny and Treo in the, in the uh, executive box, and we get our first glimpse of Helen Mirren. And she's doing some charitable speech about the um, you know the Lions Foundation, and as a director, the job she's doing to look after the sickening pubs, she's quite an important political figure. Um, And I've done like, you know, Foley does his classic engagement of Sonny where, you know, straight up to him, like you said, be impatiently evils the works. I don't know what you're up to, man, but I'm going to get to the bottom of it, etc. And as he's backing away to to exit, having caused a bit of a ruckus, he bumps into Carl Weathers as the football player. And, uh, and Polly just goes, I'm your biggest fan man." And he just gives this huge... Like, and he, There's obviously a photographer there to do lots of the, like, you know, the meet and cookies mm-hmm. and, uh, and there's a big flash of the camera like that. And Murphy's giving it this huge cheesy grin. And then he gives him a volubon and then tucks his business card, <laughs> like his cop business card, into the photographer's lapel, and just goes, I'm going to need a copy of that. And then he just walks out of the stadium. <laughs> the crowd's all in now. The Cops are all packing up. Jeffrey's been standing in front of a, a, a tilting, squeaking trailer, and Axel just says, Those horses in there together? And Jeffrey nods, and he just goes, If it's rocking, oh. don't be knocking, Jeffrey. And he goes, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, Anyways, we see Axel um, sitting contemplative at home in the apartment, um, perhaps some Easter eggs from the previous movies here, pulls out this business card, looks at it. We zoom into the palm tree logo of the spa, and then that like morphs into a real palm tree, and we're back in Beverly Hills, Beverly Palm Spa. I'm calling it very exclusive, ridiculous spa. Axel drives up to it. Um, I haven't actually put his car. I don't know what car to give him for this, but it's something appropriate for a third part. And tries his luck on reception um, and his usual charm, whatever skit he's got there, doesn't work. And he's about to walk out of the spa when he hears, a, Ah, well foley and Serge is not the owner, but he is senior to the receptionist, and he's spotted him. And we have a direct repeat of the original movie scene, effectively. And um, and Serge and Axel will have a little chat. And Serge is saying, "You know, we have a number of packages and treatments. This one, this one is just cucumbers." And he puts his fingers over his eyes. It's just cucumbers and wind. And Axel goes, "How much is that?" And he goes. Thousand dollars for 20 minutes. <laughs> That's what it's going get the fuck out of here because he it's true. We just set the little fan up and whoosh, breeze. You want to try like that? He said, so, No, I can't afford that, sir. I can't afford that. So I set you up. You want a day pass? Give me complimentary. I'm so proud <laughs> Complimentary. the It's absolute search oh. stuff. Um, so anyway, he gets his complimentary pass. And, um, and of course, Axel has a snoop around the complex, probably enjoys a couple of little cocktails or two. At one point, pokes his head into a room and sees a guy having some honey licked off him by a couple of poodles. And he just gives it a again, Anyway, he sees the uh, the access to the head office, you know, like behind the scenes or whatever, like wherever they might keep records of people that are members, um, is keypad controlled and t- quite tightly secured. So he sort of leaves it for a moment and goes to Beverly Hills uh, Police Department, to see his old friend. Um I'd love the blinds gag from Beverly Hills Cop 3 here. I really, I've got to just look at <laughs> it. it. Really, really made me laugh out Um We have a little Bougainville cameo, unfortunately. He doesn't have much to do with mine, old running, but there we go. Um, but we have Taggart definitely back in like this one, as I've said as well. I thought he, I put it here like he's less field now. Like he's actually, I wonder whether one thing we could do with Taggart is he is in the office and he's really enjoying his stationery. Like I wonder whether we could lift some of the things you and I used to love about some of our cops. <laughs> maybe, maybe there's something there. <laughs> maybe at least I, Paddy getting a pen in the neck later. I don't know. <laughs> <it>. um, anyway. <laughs> We uh, you know, we asked them how easy it to, is it to get access to the to the database of that Belly Hill spa and um or how quick is it to get a search warrant, you know, and and you know of course the boys tell them it's gonna take ages because it's well protected. So we decided he's just gotta break in and we get Q here we go again vibes and the three break into the exclusive club that night um and you know obviously just persuades them somehow and uh and then billy's like in the back they're, they're in the the uh the spa area and Naxa does some clever trick with the the key pad thing they get into the office and um a billy's like check out all the towels like that the tags like billy we're not here for any of that and the towels are just beautiful to boss you know and then billy just holds up a really really posh like writing pad with an embossed logo and a whole drawer full of really fancy fountain pens like that. And, uh, and, he just, and Billy's giving it with his eyes. You know, he's got really baby face. Yeah.
2: Delighted eyes.
0: Yeah. And he just takes one of the pens and just tucks it in Taggart's suit pocket and Taggart like, just growls, mm-hmm. snaps it out and throws it back in the drawer. And Billy turns away <laughs> a bit like dis- disappointed. And then when Billy's turn, Taggart yeah. like, pushes the pen out and puts it in his
1: suit.
0: Like, <laughs> and um, anyway, Axel acts into a computer finds treyo as a member of this exclusive spa which is a bit ridiculous uh, then he finds sonny then he finds mirren as well and um and then we immediately cut to mirren she's watching the three of them on cctv in the office saying who is this man like that. and uh, we'll get a detective Vaxel for the dpd uh, you want it handled this is from sonny and then uh, she goes quietly by like that so anyway um with a bit of digging the thing here is that mirin is quite the oligarch she owns the spa is a director with these detroit lions was a silent partner in one of the failed car manufacturing plants and crucially is planning a big drug deal in plain sight at the next detroit lions home game and um and this is where i start to speed up here sheppie and you've literally got about maybe five more lines here but um I've said here we may have, and I would love to see while we're still in Beverly Hills, a sort of a speed walk-y foot chase in and around some Beverly Hills boutique stores, okay. including seeing a particularly snooty store get shot up, perhaps with uh, a Sonny versus Axel moment. And that's how Sonny will go. And maybe he gets yeah. shot during that, that sequence. Before we get to that sequence and after the spa break in, I think we established here that Foley has nowhere to stay. He obviously had the hotel. I did debate going back to the hotel, and actually he was on their watch list for stealing all the towels. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, um, it's too late at that stage of the night to go anywhere, and Taggart offers Axel his couch. And there's definitely room for some comedy at, ta- at Taggart's place. Like, I don't know what that looks like. Just <laughs> some fun interplay around that.
2: Is he married or or not?
0: Yeah, I think because she... at the
2: end of the second one that whole she took him back.
0: But maybe not for so long, maybe yeah.
2: she's like Norma. Maybe she's <laughs> upstairs and you never see her. But like she's like Norm's uh, she's like Vera, Norm's
0: wife in cheers. I, I think she's still there. I hear you, Sheppy, and she's not seen, and maybe there's a line later which is uh you gotta thank Mrs. Taggart for those eggs. Like you know, you've gotta give them something like that. Yeah, yeah. To it. <laughs> Um That's nice. And that's then good. and the key thing, Sheps, the thing that I really sort of thought I was gonna spend the majority of my life writing about is that the fish our water concept to Beverly Hills here. Is actually that Taggart and Rosewood decide to come to Detroit to help Foley because he hasn't got the backing of Todd. And um and I really want, I love the idea of these two prim and proper guys from Beverly Hills Beverly Hills, sorry, having to tackle a bit of proper street crime, and maybe in their own way, um managing to solve or, or resolve a few bits and pieces on the street and some little interplay there like for the second half of the movie would be really fun i didn't get the chance to write it but effectively like that would be, that could
2: really- be a good third act
0: yeah and then all a I've good seen,
2: third act like a uh, crocodile dundee 2
0: yeah i do see it as a film totally split like a dundee 2 do see it totally split by the way quick sidebar I read somewhere there was going to be a Beverly Hills Cop 3 which was going to be a crossover and a third part to both Cop and Dundee. I mean, that would have been insane. um, No way. yeah.
2: Beverly Hills Dundee.
0: Yeah, I mean...
2: Crocodile Cop.
0: No, that's a title. Um,
2: These two fish out of water are going (laughs) to make ends meet. Yeah, um, I would watch that. Eddie Murphy as Paul Hogan. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um look i've got one last slide for you Sheppy, which is criminal but at work but it's like there's going to be a murphy versus mirren meaty and 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 the bloody and Treyo and um, little standoff scene at the end um uh well actually i want a murphy versus mirren type standoff like he he gets with victor as well in the first one some kind of little you know, um, moment where the two of them are having a little free son of energy, like "I'm coming for you" kind of thing, and then there's the big standoff with a last boy scout style finale at the the football stadium um, before last boy scout. And I've not written it, but it just happens and it's amazing. So there. Um... <laughs> but that's basically um, the gist Does of Bill what and I've die? Yes, man. Toads, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think she does. I think I think we take the police taking her out this time. Yeah. Yeah. I think Cause... it's one of those where she's going to be like uh you know she she's effectively caught and about to be cuffed but has a a gun in her boot or something and then
2: Oh, the Gary Sinise
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. The Gary <laughs> Sinise Yeah, absolutely.
2: Um yeah. Um and the Gary Boo, see if you come to that maybe it's a Gary thing. But I'll also tell you this in in this sense, I don't know, like having your hero shoot a relatively prim woman, I don't know, unless I she was, goes fucking deranged like Scarface and she has to be put down. I think otherwise she has to like, I don't know, she's going to lob a hand grenade and she drops it and blows herself up or something. No, I don't no. know if the studio or anyone are going to go for like, you know, him shooting a nice looking lady. You're right. In
0: 1989 as well. That's fair, shipping Maybe it isn't a rest time, but we have taken out Sonny and you know, Mirror. Sure Bridget
2: Nielsen is I mean, one thing, because she's like the fucking Terminator, but Mirror, you're asking for trouble. <laughs> you
0: uh,
2: are asking saying. for trouble. Um, but I'm all for it. Yeah, but maybe she could get run over by a stampeding horse. Uh, I'm loving it, though. That's brilliant <laughs> Jimbo, brilliant
0: um, I'm sorry I didn't have quite the time to flesh out of of our... that half, but...
2: Because of our overlap, I didn't want to jump in, but there were a couple of times during that that I did want to jump in, but I, I, I would probably just like pop up in the wrong moment. But I really like that Jeffrey is nails. I was hoping he would be, and he does have the gun and he rolls over and shoots the guy in the ankle. Good old Jeffrey. So I really liked that. <laughs> and I like the whole Jeffrey thing. I also specifically really like the interplay, the towels, but, but everything with our three main heroes. Um, their tri- triangle of friendship came across very strongly, which made me very happy, Jimmy. Really.
0: Oh, bless you, man. Well look, um it's it's a treat to write it, isn't it, God? I wish you and I could do this full time, do you know what I mean? And just wallow in it and like mm. write a proper yeah. script for it, do you know what I mean? It'd be so much fun, wouldn't it? But, um, but yeah, man, listen, enough of that. I'll, I'll just say quickly one of the things I love about 80, one of the 80s drums I love is when you have that situation and you've got a loud mouth like uh, Axel Foley, and just his loud mouth and having banter with someone else is enough to distract the villains <laughs> to like. Give them an edge in a situation where they're outgunned and out yeah. with and out everything. You know, and just to bicker with yeah. someone gives them the chance to like get an upper hand. I bloody love that shit. So I had to have it. In there. One of the keys
2: of specifically the first one, but of course the second one as well, is the villains are genuine threats and they are brutal and everything. And like Mikey being shot in the back of the head and everything. There is like you know high stakes and you know, a real threat from they're not bumbling crooks. Um so that's nice as well. I like that. So yes, lovely, lovely dream. I'll say this. Um if I had if I I mean you're you're gonna count your fucking blessings that this didn't happen. I wish I could have spent more time to flesh out the scenes you did some really nice things my cousin squeaky all of that stuff i really like and i didn't go deep into i just have literally stuff like axel says something cool or axel <laughs> does something clever or there's a funny bit so so i wish i could have um filled that out a bit more um but i i but i'll i'll, I'll go through this as quickly as i can it's sort of like i said before it's
0: sort no of like rush. i had these sort of large no rush let's wallow oh, when are we get any cup three Okay. You know,
2: well that's valid. Well, also as often happens, there are a couple of tiny similarities um, between yours and mine, which I like. Um, and also, spoiler: there's a there's a whole thing to do with um, city hall in this um, in Beverly Hills and politician angle. And I had totally forgotten that the baddie in number three had some sort of political angle. But I don't think that really matters. I think we're okay. I had a lot of fun casting this, by the way. Um, So, it's Beverly Hills Cop 3. It's 1990, so three years later. It's directed by Martin Brest, absolutely. Um, It's Eddie Murphy, Judge Reinhold, John Aston, Lisa Eltschbacher, I'm gonna say. Uh, who is, of course, Jenny Summers. Uh, now I've got little cameo from Ronnie Cox, maybe Gilbert R. Hill, but that might be on the cutting room floor. I don't have a scene for Chief Todd, I have to say. Captain Todd. Uh, Paul Reiser cameo with Scott Bakula, Jason Bateman, and Denzel Washington. Again, 1990. Um, so Bacula is at the top of his quantum game, and there's your Dean Stockwell connection. So anyway, so that's nice. Um, so Axel Foley, um, the, the 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 elevator pitch is Axel Foley returns to Beverly Hills to find corruption running deep in the halls of power. Um, So that's nice. So we have the opening and it's a little kind of, you know, again, sort of action, little action sequence, nothing too over the top or massive. Um, Detroit, night in the city, a large warehouse or base of operations for some big deal that's going down between East and West Coast criminals. We open in the middle of a large sting operation with the Detroit police force working with a representative from California to catch a big-time nasty man who uh, I've just called Trinter, because, um, I don't know, they're just named, I don't know, a Trinter. Is this criminal, who I see in my mind as the baddie from the beginning of number one who drives the truck. and um, uh, But, you know, so that's who I see, so someone like that. Let's give it to Mark Alemo, what the fuck. We have lots of uniformed cops waiting in vans and close by, you know, like all around the corners and stuff, all like loading guns in their sort of SWAT sort of gear. And this is where we would have a cameo from uh, Axel's boss is going to be there. And also the man on point is pure Jeffrey and he's like, this is not my cover, etc." All cops, and uh, the basic objective is established in the situation. We learn that this is a California police force operation. Axel and the local cops are there um, you know, for muscle and support, with Axel himself, who is head detective on the scene, but present only as an observer. So Axel is introduced, along with this Californian li- liaison, who has the authority here, because this is his case, and it's his criminal, and it's his bust, And this cop is Billy Rosewood. And so in a flip of your act three, I've got a little bit of beginning with Billy being in Detroit with Axel having this little mini adventure. So we get to see a brief fish out of water with a reverse twist. There is some banter um, as a wire is placed on Billy. And again, little similarities. And guns are loaded, waiting for the criminal trinter to turn up. Tension is broken by playful and witty banter between Axel and Billy. Their friendship is clearly stronger than ever and they have obviously maintained their relationship and friendship between the events of the previous films. Uh, through this bance, we learn that Rosewood is staying with Axel whilst he's in town, which I would watch a whole TV show of them living together, uh, to catch this criminal from California uh, who's on business here in Detroit. Um, so they they all they all head off. Trinta arrives with some goons uh, he is there to meet a shady tech guy who steps out of the shadows or steps forward and we see it is Rosewood and he's playing this sort of sleazy suit-wearing type with these big horn-rimmed glasses and it's a sting operation and it seems to be going well. And again, Axel listening in with his little wire thing uh, until it doesn't go well. It's no one's fault, but it does go wrong. Billy is exposed, Rosewood's toast when the jazzed-up crazy guy staggers into the meeting, apparently off his nuts on drugs, and it's pure Philip, Philip, man, you've changed, man, type situation. And of course, yeah, it's pure Axel, and he too is about to be shot, When uh, but the distraction works, all the cops burst in, snatch, uh, Axel snatches up a gun, and Billy dives for cover, and there's a bit of a shootout, cops and goons, Billy sees the main perp make a run for it, and he shouts to Axel, who takes off in pursuit. Billy jumps up from cover, lets off some shots, and then he, too, legs it after the fleeing baddie. Axel chases Trinter up stairwells, out onto the roof. There's an exciting foot chase over the rooftops, with some shooting and ducking and running and leaping. Um, Axel is catching up to Trinter, uh, but the guy gets a drop on him by opening like one of those Doors on top of the roof that stick up. Um, you know he's running past one of those doors, leading down, uh, and the door, the metal door, flies open into Axel's face, and he falls back and you know hits the floor. And Trinter stands over Axel, raising his gun, ready to shoot. Uh, but Axel is using himself now as bait, giving Rosewood the chance to get the drop on him, coming up the stairwell now and out from the open doorway behind Trinter. And Ra- Rosewood's like, "Hey." And the guy turns, and like, you're not really going to shoot my friend, are you? And um, Billy punches him full in the face, spilling and knocking him down. And Billy draws his gun and covers the baddie. And um, Axel does a, uh, 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 and cuffs him. And, uh, and Axel looks at the guy and he's like, ow, cold. And Axel's like, Jesus, Billy, where'd you learn to hit like that? And Billy's like, and he puts away his gun with that shiny, excited eye face he's got. I've been coaching a lot of little league lately. So the cops <laughs> swarm the roof, uh, Trinter, <laughs> dragging him away. Um, amidst um, all of this, you know, all the cops are there, flashing lights, shouts, and cops and stuff. Over the hubbub, Axel and Billy make eye contact as Trinter is loaded, loaded into the meat wagon. And Axel smiles widely and with like real pride at Billy, now a real cop. And Rosewood now gives Axel the massive overjoyed okay signal in a nice flip from the first film and we cut and it's however long, a month or two later, it's Beverly Hills and we see it. we're outside the main courthouse. Outside the, uh, the courthouse double parked with three traffic cops circling it their notebooks out is Axel's blue shitty Nova. Mm-hmm. Um, inside the courthouse, Billy and Taggart are there Uh, And they're having some banter and they're waiting in one of those nice, plush, uh, polished corridors in this courthouse. And then in rolls Axel. He has been summoned uh, to Beverly Hills to testify against uh, Trinta in his role as witness to the arrest. So there's some banter between the three and they've obviously all stayed in contact. Billy, we learn, is now lead detective. Taggart now has Bogomil's job as chief. And Bogomil may or may not pop up as a cameo. He's working like in the even higher-ups and he's doing pretty well. but He doesn't really have a, a role in this film. The case, we're told, against Trinto is, of course, cut and dry. Axel's testimony shouldn't take long. More of a formality, uh, formality etc. The three friends are already discussing their plans for the rest of their weekend together. And Taggart's like, OK, but no strip bars. And Axel... Taggart, you upset me, man. Mm-hmm. You think so little of me? You think I drag you to you guys to mall bars? No mall clubs? Oh, no, no, no. I'm not going to take you to the same old places. No way. And Billy's like slightly disappointed. Oh, no. Max says, oh, no, Billy. You two actually think there are any strip joints that we've not been to yet? We have seen the titties of Beverly Hills have to offer. Those titties we've seen. No, this weekend we've got a whole list of other places we've just got to check out while I'm in town. And Billy's all overjoyed and Taggart. Like, oh, Jesus. So they enter the court for the hearing against <clears throat> Trinter, who sits in the dock. And there's a funny scene where Axel is on the stand and he spars with the snooty, wanky LA lawyer, slimeball type who's representing Trinter. And uh, there's witty, cheeky, clever, and wacky banter. Snooty lawyer is made to look a right mug to Snickers in the stand. Billy and Taggart look at each other. Billy smirking and Taggart pinching the bridge of his nose. However, things take a turn. Despite the evidence yeah. and correct procedure apparently being followed, the judge is an angry man and he throws the case out of court, despite Billy and Axel being confident of said conviction. And it's, it's a big twisty moment. I don't see any reason for this. Uh, case dismissed. And smug, nasty, baddie man Trinter leaves the court, smugly smiling at Billy and Axel. And Axel's like, what the fuck? Uh, Billy and his boss, uh, Taggart, are now in trouble with the higher-ups in the Beverly Hills Police Department. Billy has been removed from the case, we learn, and everyone has their hands tied. Taggart is as shocked as anyone, but these new directives and orders are coming, quote-unquote, straight from the top. And Taggart and even Bogomil's hands are tied. Um, they're, They're told to leave it. They're reassigned. Axel and the others smell a massive rat. So with the others under strict scrutiny, it's up to Axel to get to the bottom of things off the books. So he uses the judge as a starting point, digging deeper and soon discovering an underbelly of corruption alive and well in City Hall. The more Axel digs, the deeper the rabbit hole of corruption goes. He mustn't involve anyone from the police department, but I, I wanted them to do stuff together, so they do anyway. So Taggart's like, I can't authorise this, and Billy could get in serious trouble, so Axel said, I will distance myself. But there is a nice buddy scene, still pretty early on, where Axel and Billy, they decide to dig into the judge. So there's a small little comedy scene where Billy and Axel um, break into the judge's chambers, and Axel gets into the office when a senior librarian snooty secretary type arrives and must be distracted by Billy as Axel gets the info and uh, gets out of the chambers before being discovered. This allows for a scene where it must be Billy, who is the con man, fast talking the hu- and being a huckster, but to less than stellar results. And it's not really working. Mm. And he's getting worse and worse. And Billy is trying his best, but he's starting to sweat um, his excuses is getting worse and more outlandish, and uh, but he's saved by Axel, who has got the necessary info, and he emerges from a side office, and he's funny and cool, and he saves them both. And he's like, Algernon, what are you doing out here, man? So they leave a confused secretary and escape with the info, um, and, and there's something to do with an up-and-coming junior assistant DA... Uh, who is the next piece of the puzzle, who's linked to the judge and something's going on. This chain of dodgy sorts is all tied up with the mayor, apparently, who is running for re-election currently. And somewhere in City Hall, someone is stopping the police from digging any further. During all of this, uh, there is time for an unconnected scene to the main plot, which is absolutely reminiscent of the strip cut club part in part one. And really, it just gives the three main these you know, Rosewood and Taggart and an Axel, something to do. Uh, so it's Axel, Taggart, and Rosewood working smoothly, silently as a team, very experienced, um, and they, they do something cool, and it's well-oiled as fuck. <laughs> I then not go into any more detail than that. Uh, maybe they stop like a liquor store robbery or something. Um, but even with this great team playing, Taggart must stop Billy or anyone else from um, going you know they're, they're too much under scrutiny from City Hall to investigate further, so Axel is now on his own and he has to move out of Billy's, where he was meant to be staying, distance himself entirely from the cops. So Axel then enlists the help from the outside from someone who, as it turns out, has knowledge and connections to City Hall, where this trail of breadcrumbs is leading. So Axel goes to see Jenny Summers, who is now running her own major, very established and high-end charity organization. She's a real Cheryl from Kirby Enthusiasm, which has close ties to the mayor's office. So she is all about bringing money and education and clean living and good homes and everything to the poorer areas of Los Angeles and doing all these like huge gala events in Beverly Hills and stuff. She and Axel, of course, both came from a hard childhood in Detroit, from the streets. So I'm going to go into a little bit of that, like I mentioned earlier, something that's not delved into at all. When you think of her and, and Mikey and how different they are, But what was she like when they were all teenagers? So I go a little bit into that. Um, And she's a bit spiky and everything. We hear little stories about when it was Jenny and Axel and Mikey all hanging out. Uh, She has a lot of connections in City Hall. So uh, Axel uses her contacts to get into several high-end charity events linked with the City Hall. Uh, Axel doesn't want Jenny to get mixed in with this um, because he doesn't want to ruin her reputation or if there is danger, he doesn't want to drag her into anything. So he gets into this massively swanky charity event, um, conning his way in, being witty and clever, but maybe not going full Johnny Wishbone. There he rubs shoulders with the super rich and also clocks that in this gathering is this judge who may or may not be totally corrupt. And also attending this grand event, and it's also like a rally for him, is the mayor who we now meet. He is young and handsome and charismatic, a bit of a Kennedy type. This is Scott Bakula, and uh, he's spoken of prior to the, to all of this, but uh, he's fully introduced at this fundraiser, um, which he's using as a platform for his re-election campaign. So They're in a massive hall with streamers and balloons and stuff. There's one of those huge photos of Mayor Bakula's smiley face. Like you, Jimmy, I haven't bothered giving any of these people actual names. So it's Mayor Bakula, his big smiley face, massive, massive poster. Um, and then they announce him and the room is filled with his supporters so everyone's clapping and cheering and a very bright light is shone from behind this huge photo of his face casting like this exaggerated shadow and silhouette onto the photo and then from behind as he walks closer the shadow sort of gets smaller and then the photo itself is raised up to reveal Mayor Bakula behind and he's all smiles and waves and everyone's like yay and he addresses the cheering room and Axel watches all of this and makes like a disparaging comment. Um, as we go, we learn that you know this guy's idealism, its it may have once been real, but we do learn more about Bacula. Um, his heart may once have been in the right place, but ultimately he has been a bit corrupted, he's been led astray, he is a, ultimately a rotter out for his own legacy. Bit of backstory we find out his father was like a really important senator and his grandfather was a noted and decorated general in world war two and so you know he has this need to live up to these family legends and stuff. Um we also meet the aforementioned very young very young like 21 year old um junior assistant district attorney fresh faced again handsome and charismatic ultimately insanely ambitious um And this, you know, and me thinking maybe one day I'll rise in the ranks and maybe be mayor myself. And this is very young, uh, two years after Teen Wolf 2, Jason Bateman, massive cunt uh, I've got here. He is uh, involved in a lot of charity events in Beverly Hills, linked to luxury businesses and so on, art galleries, all for the apparent purpose of pumping money into poorer urban areas. Um he has been Jenny's main connection to these events and you know he's all sliming at her. Um and while she has him pegged as a phony, it is through Axel's intense questioning at this gala at this event that Bateman's dark side sort of comes out and Axel's well onto him that he's a, he's a phony dodgy man. So Axel speaks to him and like a kind of like it with Victor Maitland. He doesn't pussyfoot around and he speaks to him and he's being witty, but then you're know, right in his face. Um So Axel is like to Jenny, she's like, you know, what was all that about? And he's like, trust me, anyone with teeth that straight has got to have something crooked just to balance it out. So Axel sees Bateman interact with all sorts of dodgy business types, high rollers linked to the charity. But they all seem fucking dodgy as fuck. Axel is not subtle. uh, And and so this leads to um, Axel was meant to be staying at Billy's but he can't do that, so he's booked himself into a motel. It's a real number three wannabe. So now in the parking lot outside, Axel is going in to trick himself in when he is attacked by a mugger. But this mugger turns out to be carrying some serious firepower, marking as not your average street crim. Axel at first plays dumb and being like, you know, pretending to be like a dumb tourist out of town and everything, which he kind of is. Uh, but then things turn serious as the guy, Axe, takes out this, like, hard piece of hand cannon. Axel disarms him, but the guy is really well-trained and does a bit of karate-type stuff, because he's a karate man! And he kind of gets the upper hand, clearly a professional. They have a nice little action moment where they get yeah, a bit of a punch-up. you don't really say Axel do that much. Um, so Axel manages to get to his gun, and the man runs. Axel gives chase, is about to catch up with him, when the man gets smashed from the side suddenly by a car, which comes out of nowhere, pure hit and run. run. So that car swerves off. This guy is fucking dead in the road. Axel, you know, takes aim at the car that drives away when it's too late. Um, And so he's like, okay. Then we see the murder vehicle pull into a side street, uh, and we have a reveal of the driver, pure fucking Bateman, sweaty as fuck. Um, So this attempt on Axel... As his Bateman suspicions confirmed. Like, I was right in his face. What, two hours later, some guys jumped me? Um, and obviously, a professional hit. So, um, so, with Billy and Jenny's help, Axel digs deeper uh, still. The three have one or two nice scenes together, being detectives, having good chemistry, working out clues. During a nice scene, while she's digging through her handbag, Billy looks in, very rude, and sees uh, Jenny's got like this tiny pearl handed gun that she keeps in her bag. And he's still a gun nut because I'm remaining consistent. And Billy is like playfully derisive about her tiny gun. And he's like, ma'am, don't let anyone tell you different. Size really does matter. And Jenny's like, yeah, well, in Detroit, I never had need for such things. And Billy's like, really? And Axel's like, oh, hell yeah, Jenny. Oh, she was known around the block as Knuckle Duster Summers. And Billy gawps, and Jenny shrugs. As mentioned, Axel can't stay there, though. And he can't stay at this motel anymore, um, so he blags himself some crazy digs. Jenny hooks Axel up with Serge, who non- now runs his own gallery and is a higher-up in that place. And he uses his connections for her, for the charity, and they're still in touch. So they, Axel and Serge have a reunite uh, moment through this meeting. Um, it's very cool. Axel is either... either Serge's place or Serge introduces him to someone and then he blags his way but basically Axel manages to get into this massive art installation warehouse owned by one of these super rich sorts um and the installation is like a massive open plan for like a super modern futuristic super luxurious space age living area and it's all like art and the future in one it says everywhere and um Axel's like, shit, are the Jetsons at home? And classic stuff like that. Um, So this is Axel's (laughs) place to stay for the rest of the film. And it's, you know, like the rotating table of mannequin heads in the first film? That's basically this entire massive open space uh, is basically like that all sorts of crazy things including a shower that comes up out of the floor a rotating bed a sofa that folds itself up like a transformer and an argumentative kitchen ai um another scene where uh yeah so, so that comes back to yes now we also have another random scene where which one thing i wanted to see was axel is following bateman and possibly the mayor like this huge conference hall with many many circular tables like a fundraiser or some such and lots of people eating and there's like a band playing and stuff and there's a podium and as axel follows these the group of people undetected he he moves they're like walking purposely through this massive massive room with all these circular tables axel is moving smoothly from one table to the next joining the diners like sliding in next to them instantly ingratiating himself into each group some are like polite to him and some are confused and some are digging it some are rude and hostile but either way himself like how you doing and sometimes taking on like a new persona to best fit in with that individual party and he sort of bounces across like six or seven tables and and we just have a chance for Murphy to have some real fun um and so that's how he follows these people through a big open space undetected. Um, so that's nice. So I, 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 I like that. Axel I follows that Bateman. I, nice. I was also trying to think of somewhere slightly distinct where they could go. Um, but uh, in this case, I thought maybe like a, an exclusive golf club. It's not really that original, but still. Axel blags his way into this, having a witty encounter with a racist golfer and his wacky caddy played by Alcenio Hall nice coming to America. Uh, There, in a back room in this club, Axel witnesses Bateman arrive for an important meeting and out comes Trinter, the Detroit baddie from the beginning who was uh, in the court and it all starts to come together and Axel's like spying on this. and then the dodgy type uh, Bateman and and then we meet this what we they start okay now the boss is coming, the boss is coming, and we meet the string puller behind the whole thing. Axel hears them talk, they said the the boss is arriving any moment the door opens and the mayor enters and everyone's like, oh no, Bacular, no, oh, he can't be the big bad. But in a tiny little twist, although it's not that big because there would have been trailers and posters and stuff, but we now learn that Bacula is the biggest pawn of all, and the power behind the throne is now revealed, coming in behind him into the room, a hardcore, full-on, nasty gangster. Number three, we learn, on the FBI Most Wanted list, the puppet master, and this is Denzel Washington, 1990. Washington... Wants this face-to-face with Trinter because he messed up in Detroit at the beginning. So now, in true big baddie fashion, after being very smooth and charming and very Washington, he then sits Trinter's mind at ease. Cue Mike from the first film. Seconds before, smoothly mm-hmm. pulling out a silver pistol and shooting Trinter right in the face in front of Bateman and Scott Bakula. Um, we learn the mayor then is a puppet. Washington controls it all. He controls the whole of Beverly Hills through the mayor, and he wants more. Um, It may have started off as like cutting corners, but now he's back. He has been totally swept away. Uh, Bateman has been promised future power, so he's in. Um, So basically, um, then Axel is like caught and he gets out of it in a cool, exciting way. Because otherwise it's boring. rest of the film basically has Axel tricking his way into various events, charity things, art installations, re-election events, deeper into City Hall, other meetings with the city's main power players. Um, now, Axel with Jenny, Billy and Taggart, they, they all have a part to play and they all uncover more and more. Um, Further into the film's second half, Axel gets to the top of the whole iceberg and has a cards on the table, full-on verbal confrontation with Washington at some place. Um, Washington, I didn't want him to be like a legit businessman with a dark side, because that's been done before, so I did want him as an actual known criminal so I don't know how they can meet necessarily without him just being able to arrest him, but... Whatever he's surrounded by a million goons, or he's untouchable, but they have a full-on, you know, midway through the film, at the very, you know, sort of time, a nice scene together. um And I don't want to get too much into it, but because it's really, you know, I'm I'm from Cranley, for God's sake. But the whole thing is like mm-hmm. Washington, you know, also came from the streets. Um, and he plays off his actions for the greater good. He's like, I now control the machine. With Axel saying, you know, like, you know, yes, it's all corrupt. And Washington saying, like, yeah, you know, you're hiding behind your your excuses, but you're, the institution you're in. Detective Foley is, you know, is just as racist. It's always gonna keep our our people down. You're more of a problem than I am. Um, Washington's like, yeah, I'm breaking the law, but my, my goals are just, I'm I'm going to change it from the inside, um, and I'm going to take the power away from the super corrupt, privileged folk who have been keeping us down for centuries. And we really lean into that. And yeah, Washington to act always like, I see you, detective, joining the very institution that's been persecuting us from the beginning. You think you're, you're trying to make a difference? This is the only way to make a difference, son. Not by joining the lie, but by running it. And so, you yeah, oh, no, uh, no. an axe will no. <laughs> um, yeah, and Yeah, Washington's like, um, I've been checking up on you, detective, and I see you're not a stranger to this town. So I know you've seen it all. The white corruption, the old money, the white power. That police force you've sworn to? We both know it's been keeping us down just as much as anyone else. So stop fighting on the wrong side. Come over here. And fight for your own. The struggle goes on, brother. And the army needs every soldier it can get. You game for it. But Axel is having none of it. And he's like, you, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy how million times I've heard this. From way back on the streets and in the force. The corruption. Yeah, being told what to do. There's so always st- some guy standing on his pedestal, preaching his sermons. It's the hypocrites but who are the worst. Every single time. So you know what? Just be bad, be bad, man. And he's like clapping his hands with the eyes shut, massive teeth, Eddie Murphy. Be bad, be bad, be bad. bad. Come on, man, stop pretending you're good. Be bad, you're just itching to be bad. Um, And so, you know, you can you can play your game, but you know, you're not out help, for help, helping anyone, basically. You're helping yourself. Don't lie to me, don't lie to yourself, blah, blah, blah. We basically find out Washington's power play, it all comes down to real estate essentially. It's the platinum triangle of Beverly Hills, Bel Air and Homby Hills. And that's the uh, the very very rich area of of places. Washington owns. Uh, he already has Beverly Hills. He's going to get into his Holmby Hills. And once he has those two sides of the triangle, and it's called the Platinum Triangle. Oh yes. Mm. Um, after that, he'll move into the residential areas of Bel Air, and from this triangle of power, he'll make his move. Uh, national, regional politics to international politics. He's going to become uh, like you know behind the power of the White House. He can see it even. Um, Washington says like Beverly Hills, what a perfect base of operations. What a town, you know. The first house was built here, and you know, I see him like in a penthouse overlooking the city. You know, preaching to Murphy, who's like held there at gunpoint or something. The first house was built here in 1907 one of many all-white towns to be built in the Los Angeles area at the time. Members of any other race other than white could not buy or rent real estate unless employed as servants for the residents. Now tell me, Mr. Foley, doesn't that make you want to take that pie, show it to the whole world and say, this is my pie now, baby? Um... That sort of stuff and it continues, but you know, it's going to be much, much better when Eddie Murphy takes the dialogue away from me. Um, so that's good, <laughs> it's good, a okay. yes, uh, yeah, lot, lot of the
0: Argo. even Washington <laughs> said the word sun is beautiful. Well, and yeah, feel that really deep with the cadence, and like, oh, yes. man, I just, I, and I think this sort of really unpicking of the uh supremacy of Beverly Hills is, is an important thing to do, and I'm glad you're doing it, man. It's good, yeah, nice.
2: Nice. I mean... nice. Well, well, thank you. Well, the last thing here, and again, white boy from Surrey talking now, but Axel's you know, his last retort really to all of this is the white man. Hell, it's been, he's been fucking us for centuries. But you know what really screws with my head? The black man who takes that power and uses it against his own. And that is a pie I want to fuck up. Um... So we're into the third act. Axel finally corners Washington um, at the same space where the mayor threw his charity rally earlier. Meanwhile, it's late night in City Hall. Billy and Jenny have gone to confront Mayor Bacula. Jenny has dealt with him over the years and can't quite believe he is a full on evil man. So she goes with Billy to talk to him, to get the truth and convince him to testify in court. Uh, They lay it all out in Bacula's office. He's sweating buckets. But Billy grills him, and Jenny plays it right, and Bacula cracks and folds, and he has his head in his hands, and he confesses, you know, that he will, you know, and he says he'll do whatever is needed. And then a voice from the uh, from the doorway says, "You are a weak, non-vital little man." And it's Bateman stepping into the office, and uh, I see him in like you know, white shirt with tie undone, sleeves rolled up. Um, You know, and uh, he says, this city needs a stronger leader, and you are just not it. And Bacula's all like, you knew what all this was from the beginning. And now, and Bateman's, now I can tell you, Mr. Mayor, with the utmost confidence, no one wants to listen to your speeches anymore. And he raises a shotgun, Billy reacts, Jenny screams, and Bateman shoots Mayor Bacula full in the chest, flies back into his chair, dead. Uh wow. there then follows a tense cat and mouse game around the deserted offices and corridors of City Hall. Again, it's like midnight, with a sweaty, unhinged and deranged Bateman stalking Billy and Jenny, firing off his shotgun, blowing out windows on walls, sending paper from desks flying. Billy fires back as they run and duck, etc., but he soon runs out of bullets. But Bateman's got shot uh, a fuck ton of shotgun shells. This is intercut with Axel and Washington's own final confrontation. On the far side of this huge ballroom used for this mayor's charity event earlier, Axel and Washington have it out. And it starts there on other, you know, the opposite sides of this big room. And they sort of, you know, they're sparring verbally as they circle the room from opposite sides, but then slowly move closer and closer to the other with chairs and tables and the election and paraphernalia between them they get closer and closer as they're circling, and so menacing and tense, and that's when Murphy gets to stare down Washington, and Washington gets to stare down Murphy. And Washington still seems to be trying to recruit Axel, but Axel's believing none of it, and for good reason, because then three of Washington's goons emerge from the edge of the room, open fire. Washington takes out an automatic rifle, and he also shoots at Axel, who is suddenly on the back foot, heavily outgunned and outmatched. There is a firefight with balloons and ticker tape and ribbons drifting down from the ceiling um, in threes and fours. It's not like a glut, like in that cool bit in Temple of Doom, but there's like a sort of a constant, like little dribble of balloons coming down from from above. Um, some pop as bullets tear across the room. Um, Washington empties a, a clip right at Axel. who flees across the room um, as as Axel flees and Washington just sprays bullets. Uh, Some balloons pop and one of his goons gets hit and goes down. Um, Axel shoots the other goon who goes down. Axel takes cover, checks his clip and revealing he has three bullets left. Balloons still fall in dribs and drabs as Washington stalks Axel from the shadows around the edge of the room and from behind the stage area. Meanwhile, back to City Hall, being stalked by Bateman, Billy and Jenny flee down the empty offices. Billy tells Jenny to get down a fire escape and away, with Billy drawing Bateman away, making lots of noises as he rushes back towards the mayor's office. He makes it there, hoping to find like a gun in like the mayor's desk or something, but there is nothing. Bateman bursts in, firing, and Billy d- dives behind the mayor's desk, but he's clipped by like one of the uh, blasts and he lands hard, bleeding from, like, this, a wound on his side. And Billy lies, and he pants and he bleeds, and Bateman walks in, you know, like, loading more shotgun shells in, speaking all quietly and crazily, like, I wanted to make a difference. Why couldn't you all just let me make a difference, etc." He rounds the desk and stands over Billy. He gives a little speech about bad cops ruining it for everyone. On the floor next to Bateman's foot, Billy notices Jenny's dropped handbag, Bateman finishes his speech, pumps the gun and raises it up to point at Billy when a large paperweight smashes through the glass uh, part of the door into the office, causing Bateman to spin, seeing Jenny through the shattered glass. He fires the shotgun through the door, exploding that, and Jenny ducks and runs. Bateman pumps the shotgun again and turns back to Billy on the floor and sees Billy in the same position, sprawled behind the desk. But now with Jenny's open bag beside him and her tiny pearl-handed pistol in his hand and Bateman's eyes go wide and Billy shoots him once in the heart and with eyes wide open in immeasurable surprise, Bateman falls to his knees and falls down dead and Jenny tentatively pops her head through the shattered doorway and sees the carnage and Billy, who's lying on the floor panting, holding the gun and Jenny says, I told you it's not the size. And Billy's arm then just drops to the floor, holding the gun, totally spent. He says, no argument from me. So Axel in the main ballroom, massive photo of Bacula's head is still there. And the floor is strewn with balloons and ticker tape and ribbons and blood. And sirens can be heard as police are on the way. Washington could maybe escape, but Axel has ruined his entire infrastructure and he is hell-bent on revenge. He and, uh, and Axel chase each other around, And Axel is finished with Washington advancing. Um, Washington is hiding in the darkness. He can see Axel, but Axel can't see him. Axel knows that every bullet he has must count, so he's pointing his gun into the darkness around the stage area, looking for a target, but seeing nothing. Washington stalks closer and closer and closer. Uh, Axel is unaware, pointing the gun like Clarice, but in all the wrong shadows still seeing nothing. He's backing up until his back hits like the row of levers for the room's lights. The Washington is almost on him when Axel turns and pulls all the large levers on the wall and all the lights come on. The last lever turning the spotlight used to announce the mayor earlier. So suddenly Washington's exaggerated shadow and silhouette now appear on the face of Bacula in front of the whole room and Axel immediately points his gun and fires three times, emptying the last of his bullets into the shadow projected onto Bakula's face. Bang, bang, bang. A moment, and then Axel holding the now empty and useless gun in front of him, is just staring when the paper of the massive photo tears, and Washington steps through, ripping a hole, now on the stage right in front of Axel, who's still holding his empty gun. Washington's holding his gun. The two look at each other for a long moment, uh, Axel is all exposed and defenceless. Washington takes two shaky steps towards Axel, starts to raise the gun, and blood starts blossoming him out on his shirt. And he does a pure David Yip from of Doom. He looks down at the blood spreading on his shirt, and then he stumbles, and he falls down dead on the stage amongst all the balloons. And Axel stands in the centre of the room. We have this big, long shot. Where it's Axel and he's looking at the stage and the body, and he's all surrounded by balloons and ribbons and the dead. Uh, and so we have the wrap up, and it's Rosewood and Taggart and maybe Bogomil and um, the Beverly Hills Police Department have now been lauded as heroes. Billy has exposed the deep corruption in, and is the face of the case. Ironically, he is now the golden boy that Bateman always wanted to be. Taggart is clearly jealous. A paparazzi type rolls up during all of this and says, this will be the greatest story California has ever known. And Axel says, may I make a suggestion for the headline? We cut to the paper with photos of Rosewood and Taggart on the front with the headline, Super Cops, exclamation. (laughs) Corruption has been exposed. The charity money goes to the right people in the right areas. Jenny becomes the main liaison between all the organizations of the charities and City Hall. Taggett, Rosewood are national heroes um, and from the crazy art installation, we now see Axel is packing up his duffel bag and he and his two friends walk out to the, his car and his car out front is covered in parking tickets. Uh, hundreds. <laughs> and uh, Billy starts like, and Taggart's like, you sure you got to go? Seems a shame. After a week of working, you finally have free time. And Axel's like, yeah, well, you know, I should be heading back, but I did see a nice looking place. And Billy's, don't tell me, Axel, you have your eye on somewhere, and Taggart's like, there's somewhere. It wouldn't be disreputable by any chance. And Axel, oh, disreputable, oh, no, no, this is a nice place, a good place, a classy place. And Target, classy, and you think they'll let you in? And Taggart, and Axel's, hey, man, you know I don't do politics. And Axel guns his engine and tears off the other two, rushing to their car to follow, all smiles as they head off for a night of misadventure. And we have end credits. And the taglines, two taglines, both basically the same. Uh, City Hall is broken, and Axel Foley is swinging the wrecking ball! uh, Exclamation, optional. And the second one, you can't fight City Hall, but you can hurt it real good, real underlined. Uh, so so
0: <laughs> there you go there you go fucking hell chefs well, like, Not as funny really, as i want it to be no but the act well no i don't I definitely like a bit and i had to bring it in again because i'm going to hear myself echoing unfortunately <laughs> on that too but uh, but listen man holy moly i just but the, the action beats alone are just fantastic i'm really the casting was so spot on Washington's amazing. I'm still seeing him stalking him through the balloons. It's amazing. And, like, just, you know, Bateman is utterly perfect in that role. I totally see him being really sniveling and perfect. And just, I'm so <laughs> happy about that. And I got like some world class. Judge Reynolds is never better. Never been better. Like, you nailed, nailed oh. Roger. And I'm actually really glad. I was thinking you were angling towards him and Jenny maybe having a little smooch, but that never happens. I'm really pleased. It's good. It's all happy. It's there. Maybe undercurrent, but it's all happy and great. Nice. um, Yeah, man. It's so going back here. It's just. It's just really. The action stuff was pitch perfect, chefs. Honestly, man. And as oh, we said at the you. top end, it's bloody impossible to try and come up with Murphy stuff. You know, you just, if you hear a bit of it, you sprinkle it in. But, you know, you did a really, man, it was great. It was really fun. It was really fun. No,
2: yeah. well, wonderful. Very, and, uh, very nice.
0: It had the vibe of one like you wanted and had that sort of, and and I really love how uncontrived it is to get him back. It's kind of perfect. It's sort of the perfect mm. plot that, yeah, completely. Um, oh. Yeah. Yeah, I love it, man.
2: I that makes it. me happy, thank you, man. One thing that didn't occur to me as a main story idea until after I'd finished, and if it had occurred to me, I'm sure I would have gone down that route. But one, one thing the Beverly Hills Cops if haven't done, they touched on with three, the, the, the theme parks, which they should have done properly, um, but also just Hollywood in general. So there could be a Beverly Hills Cop with some sort of Hollywood star, some sort of Hollywood scandal, Sunset Boulevard, all of that sort of stuff. So that would be a, a you know, gunfight on the Hollywood side at the end.
0: I love and that. Bro. And I think maybe for the four to your three, you know, mm-hmm. The Super Cops is a movie. Right? You know what I mean? <laughs> people play yeah, it the road with people <laughs> like crash into that a little bit. That would be yeah. fun. Um, yeah, I love it. Great. <laughs> it's newspaper headline, man, of course. Love. Amazing. Amazing. Um, <laughs> well,
2: an absolute joy, old son yeah good stuff now this is this is tricky stuff man because um i've had to start picking stuff from like the cream and there'll be time i hope at some point in the distant future to do some of the really stupid uh titles that i was looking for but for this purpose as we're approaching 50 um i thought this one that i was sort of thinking about ages ago um, i think now is the time i don't know if you've seen this i know you know i'm sure you've seen it but i don't know how much you've well I'm very curious about the whole thing but I think it lends itself very nicely to this whole concept that we're here to do so that's why I'm going to suggest it so it's not an us film but I, I think it has legs Jimmy I think it has legs the sequel that I'm looking for Jimmy is to The Princess Bride
0: oh wow wow yes
2: yes sir
0: that's really nice yeah I love that movie yeah I'm all in on that that's great I will rewatch as well just to because that would be good why wouldn't you then we can it's have it's a, lovely have and it's nice been about three years since I've seen that so that's nice So, oh,
2: that's a,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah
2: love it Jimmy
0: very very
2: nice
0: but well, I'm excited as well. intimidating as well to be
2: well sad. all the best ones are intimidating yeah. uh, I think ultimately you know you've got to you've got to just embrace the intimidation give it a good hug and take <laughs> it home <for> <laughs> I'm loving it very nice nice Dancy, dancy, (laughs) dancy.
0: So what kind of beautiful place are we going to, to close this off, Sheffy? Where are you driving off to in the sunset? Are Oh,
2: Jimmy, I'll tell you, I haven't given it much thought, but wherever it is, I'm pretty sure it'll be good. Oh, trust me, massive eyes, massive eyes in Sweet Spring. (laughs)
0: love to hear from you so do feel free to reach out to us at shoulderspod.com let us know any sequels you'd like us to do also we'd really appreciate it if you could take a moment to leave us a review or a rating on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts from